Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Brought to you exclusively on KISS by J. Michael. Fashion for everyone. Happy Friday, Sandy. Hello. Happy Friday. Good day. Check the mute button on that microphone of yours. I said good day. Well, let me... Good uh, morning. Oh, there, there she is. we are. I, I can try to sound like Sandy, but... <laughs> Eh, probably wouldn't work too well. But good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. It was just uh, here in the depths of the, the newsroom, so to speak, getting some news. So some serious um, incidents overnight. Really? Okay. Uh, in the morning. Yes. Um, the first one is there was a stabbing that has resulted in the death oh, wow. of, uh, of a man right there in Shedden Road. Oh, so um, in the vicinity of, you know, where the office bar lounges? Yeah. Literally right across from there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's our uh, first um, breaking news story. And uh, it's a developing story. We're getting um, le- real live information this morning as uh, information is starting to trickle out. The second incident is there was a robbery last night. So two um, armed men went to the gas station there um, in Red Bay. So Red Bay seems to be okay. targeted again. again. Did it look like yeah. the same one of the same wow. people? Um, you know, we we don't know. So, um, at what time was that at? Uh, no definitive reports on that as yet. So we're still waiting on some details to come in. What is the purpose of the security guards? No, none. Oh, I mean, a security guard is just <laughs> what. What, what can they do? Is the bigger yeah. question. They have no 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 weapons. Yeah. Very little training. Right. Um, so I'm not sure. They give people a false sense of security, I think. Yeah. I mean, are they the. Uh, I mean, sometimes, depending on if it's like maybe they act as a bouncer, so they might be able to scan people for weapons. So I guess that's something. Um, but yeah. What are, what are their. What what can they do? What are their. What are their. <laughs> Again, uh, they certainly can't carry weapons. So. They can't oh, have pepper spray or anything. Nope. What legally can they do, I guess, is. Um, yeah. They can trip them. <laughs> I'm not tripping someone with a gun, not, though. Not, not much no. of anything, I'm afraid. Not worth it. Mm-hmm. Nope, minimum wage is definitely not worth tripping someone with a gun. So, uh, yeah, so those are two major incidents that obviously the police are working on this morning. Um, I'm sure the, the murder is, you know, obviously the more serious of the two. And um, as it develops... Hold on. By the way, that was not an endorsement for more guns. Just FYI. No. But, yeah. No. 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 Yeah. I, I just wanted that to be clear. Yep. I think we all understand. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, um, yes, um, that's uh, quite sad information this morning. It is. Um, what else have we got going on? Gosh, it kind of throws you for loop when you've got to mm-hmm. deliver such bad news in the morning. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, right. So let me see. The Cayman Islands yesterday was International Firefighters Day. Mm. So the Cayman Islands celebrated that. The uh, minister, um, the Honorable Sabrina Turner, went and uh, spent some time with um, the fire service. So big thank you to everyone in the fire service who keeps, um, you know, this country safe doing their part. Road closures coming up this weekend for the Cayman Carnival Badabanu. So please check the map so that you know where to avoid if you're trying to stay out of the area. Mm. And um, Butterfield introduces Google Pay to the Cayman Islands, but there's a caveat. It's only for Android users. Ah, that's me. Wait, I haven't heard anything about Badamadu. 
this Not year. Me well, either. I didn't even know well, it snuck up. Nothing. I thought yeah. that the first thing I heard about it was yesterday. I'm I'm yes, confused though because the coronation ceremony uh, celebration is tomorrow as well. Down yes. the So how does that work? Uh, I don't know if they're. I guess you can choose. Okay. <laughs> event to go to. I know, but... the, uh, I know the coronation ceremony has fireworks downtown at 7:30. Yes. We talked about it. Yeah. And it starts at four, I believe, if I remember correctly. Do you remember they were in studio? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So some, yeah, there will be some overlap. Um, Maybe the one. I'm kind of yeah. thinking that you know what, probably the people who are interested in Badabanu might not be the same crowd. That's going to be. Let's not paint everyone with them. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Well, we'll see. I, you know what? The the uh, I don't know if they've done a great job uh, of of bringing in that new younger crowd that they need to replace the older crowd that was doing it 13 years ago when Aaron and I yeah. got on this island. They're uh-huh. older now and maybe don't want to jump for break a hip, break a hip or something. I don't <laughs> know. I don't want to. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that generation is, is older. And wh- how do you replace uh-huh. uh, those folks with newer, younger folks? I don't know if there's. I don't know, Blake, because I see some rather um, geriatric uh, people out there. Also jumping. Video of one. Now I think <laughs> we got to run on this yeah, end. Yeah. KMAS has done a good job doing that. Yeah. We're, we're already into your time. All right. Good morning, good folks. Good morning. Bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, older, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you. Let me introduce myself. I am the cold heart Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman, live direct it's the cold hard truth now now join the conversation on 345-936-2626 that number again is 345-936-2626 all right good morning Good morning, good morning. Happy Friday, May the 5th. Hope that you guys are doing well. We're going to go ahead and get started. We've got some um, serious incident reports to um, update you all with this morning. Good morning to everyone. Uh, First um, serious incident report is that we have um, a, I guess, uh, death on our hands with, um, I mean, it's shocking. 
but it, it's happened in town. I'm just trying to get a fix on a time. It looks like it was probably in the early morning hours. And so a young man has now lost his life. And I understand that another young man <clears throat> is hospitalized who also um, was stabbed. Uh, early reports, he may have been trying to help. I'm not 100% sure how exactly he got involved, but sources close to the situation say that it was a targeted situation and um, it was actually four um, or uh, possibly three or four um, individuals who um, were masked and, and stabbed him. So sounds quite serious. Um, yeah. Oh, that's uh, where we're at this morning. I understand we're having a little bit of issue in the radio. So yes, okay, now we can be heard. So, all right, folks. So again, breaking news this morning, there's been a Georgetown stabbing incident that has resulted in the death um, of a, I don't quite know, I'm going to say young man, but I actually don't know how old he is, but chances are um, he probably uh, is relatively young. Let me try to see. We're in contact with some family members. Uh, we do have a name already, but I won't disclose the name so early this morning. Um, so we'll see. And in addition to that overnight news, there was also a robbery by Brown's Esso last night at the Red, um, on the run Red Bay. Is that the same on the run Red Bay? Is that the same one where the Burger King is? I'm not even 100% sure. So we've got some photos this morning. Um, apparently he was 37 years old. Um, 37 years old. So very, very sad. So, um, mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll bring you uh, all more information on this as it continues to develop. The... Um, Scene of crime uh, vehicles, obviously on the scene, processing the scene this morning. I, you know, somebody said it happened at this bar or lounge that I've never even heard of before. And I must say that, um, yeah, I must say that I don't actually know where, I've never even heard of this place before. It's called, uh, hold on one second. Let me see if I can get a name for you guys. But um, yeah, I've never never heard this place before, but it's right there in the vicinity of, um, there's a few photos here. I mean, this is gonna be a nightmare folks. If you're going to town in that area, so this is where I think, I don't know if Deloitte is still in that building. I think they've moved out now. They're probably in Kamata Bay where they have a bit more room, but Harbor Center, um, oh no, that looks like an accident in Harbor Center. Accidents this morning as well. Everything's going on in, in Georgetown. But this is right across from the office. One Capitol Place is right there and Elizabethan Square. So it's like in that area. So there's a plaza right next to Elizabethan Square that apparently this nightclub called um, Carib or something, Lounge, it, it's in there. So um, yeah, so I don't, don't know um, much about that location, um, you know. Yes, 
So kind of a sad situation, but like I said, this is very much a developing story. RCIPS uh, scene of crime on location this morning, trying to um, trying to get this sorted out. So yeah, all right. So as we get as we get more details on that, um, it's interesting that the robbery. I'm told that that's the exact same gas station that the Burger King got robbed, and um, apparently these uh, individuals. Um, you know, there's a, there's a sense of they probably live in the area. Mm, mm, mm. So I don't know. Um, let me see here. Yep. So Carib night, night lounge is the location of where this incident happened is what I'm being told. Um, so we'll get more details as it uh, as it flushes out this morning. All right, folks. So our condolences, of course, um, to the um, you know our condolences to the family. All right. Um, yeah, very, very sad. All right. So um, like I said, we do we do know who the person is. We've got a name, but um, you know, sometimes we a lot of times actually, all the time, I should say really, we hold off to some extent um in disclosing that information. And um we will certainly um we will certainly uh at some point disclose who it is, yeah. But this is Cayman. Once it's a Caymanian and this is the Cayman Islands, we kind of will know within short order. Everybody, you're a George Towner, believe me, you're gonna know in 10 minutes exactly who it is. And sadly, um, that's how it goes. Okay, so armed robbery overnight and a stabbing incident that has resulted in the hospitalization of one person and death of another. Good morning. Happy Friday. Uh, good morning, Miss Vernita. Miss Dean is here. Diamond Princess, thank you so much. Wishing everybody a safe weekend. Amanda says Badabanu needs a new board and committee. They need to let it go to others. It's not the same anymore. Uh, to be honest, I don't really um, get too involved in these carnival things. I know that there's, you know, always some kind of situation between the two carnival and k-mass and i think last year we had somebody on the show because there was listen it's just so petty like it it kind of reminds me of miss k-man in a way and in and the athletic association it's like people get on these associations and um they just can't let go they want to be there forever, even when it's not in the best interest of the organization. It seems to me, Amanda, that people get some kind of ego boost from being involved in these things or being in charge of these things. Like, I don't really know what it is. For me, after all these years of, of doing an event like that, I would gladly hand the reins over to somebody else. Like, do you not get tired of it? And you've got, 
you know, I'm not saying that people in their 50s and 60s can't be out there enjoying their best life and jumping all over the place. But for me, there's certain things that you probably <laughs> put on the back burner when you come of a particular age, but then I'm not really a carnival person. So I've never jumped in my life <laughs> at an event like that. So maybe I just don't understand the attraction. Um, so yeah, I don't get it. Felicia, good morning. Siobhan is here. Uh, Nathina, good morning to you. H.A. Janitorial um, is asking me to call in private. Well, it won't be this morning while we're in the show. Um, so JD, I don't even know if I want to even talk about that this morning, but I suppose I'm going to say this much. Um, yesterday morning, we were talking about, um, you know, this group of young girls over the weekend that went to Caymana Bay that were fighting and involved in that. I don't know who these kids are. Uh, we know that they go to John Gray High School. And then I was reading clips from what a parent sent. And she had a photo of a child who has a bruised eye from this incident. And, um, you know, she shared what her daughter has been experiencing at the hands of these same girls. And there's one girl in particular um, who is a primary instigator, is what is being said. And it's been happening for years. And she's in year nine or 10 and picking on people like in year six and seven. It's just crazy. So that was shared yesterday morning. And apparently, you know, the old saying that you throw a rock in a pig pen and whoever squeals is who it hit. Well, apparently it hit this young lady named Chelsea and Chelsea decided to take to social media and act like an adult. And it's so interesting because yesterday morning I was speaking on the fact that when children try to come at you and they want to act as adults, sometimes you have to treat them as adults, you know? And um, to be very, very clear, a 14-year-old who has experience of a 25-year-old life, I'm not really going to treat too much as a child when, when they decide to get really quite feisty. And so, yes, JD, um, the response was, was what it was. Um, you know, I don't oftentimes get out of sorts, but when I do, it's... Uh, it's normally a very epic situation. So I will leave it at that. Um, if you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Life is good. And uh, we shall continue right on. Um, so Nathina says, yes, it's in the corner of where Case Fabric is. What is that complex called? I can never remember it. So yeah, it's called a lounge, which I guess it's a bar. Um, thank you so much. Zambula, good morning. Um, says this is nowhere near BK in Red Bay. What is it? The robbery? So there's two, two separate incidents. I want to be very, very clear. There was a murder in Central Town, a stabbing, I should say. And then there was an armed robbery with two men in Red Bay. So Zambula, are we clear? Um, so yes, armed robbery, I'm told with two masked men at the gas station in Red Bay. But there's two gas stations in Red Bay that are literally a stone's throw. So I always confuse which is which. Um, so morning to Josephine. Miss Dean is here. KK, Robert, good morning. Sarah Orit, morning, Sarah. Good to see you. Ethel says, don't attend Bad Avenue anymore since my cousin Olin's death years back. Did your cousin die at Bad Avenue? I'm a little bit confused by that, but I'm, I just don't know Miss Ethel, that's what I'm asking. 
Good morning to Miss Iva. Yeah, you know, Siobhan, like I said, when you throw the, the rock in the pig pen, it was like, bloop. And, um, you know, these 14-year-old children drinking and posting it on social media, and then their parents are claiming that they're the ones who are the victims. And now I see exactly, um, people have reached out. I mean, the response has been quite something. I mean, I even had people take the email and send a whole list of stuff that this girl has been up to. And when you have a parent who refuses to acknowledge any of that and who claims that her daughter is the victim, although the fact that she has been contacted, the police have been involved, the school has been involved. And then when the mother doesn't even bother to show up to any of these things, it's always the father, you kind of get a sense of exactly where the problem lies. And trust me, people were in my DMs this morning saying, um, you know, Sandy, seriously, when you know who, who she fa, it all makes sense that this is what she's going to be doing. And uh, it's kind of sad because at some point, you know, children grow up and they do what they know. But then when you become cognizant, especially in your teenage years of your behavior, and I know it's still difficult for a teenager to try to change their behavior, but, um, you know, she knows what she's doing is wrong. And if you need help, this is not the way to reach out to help by beating other people up. How you reach out for help is, you know, you go to um, your teachers, you talk to an adult. And, you know, I, I know people um, who have been, who've grown up in very, very toxic environments. And trust me, as soon as they turned, not even of age, before they were of age, they went and, and expressed to DCFS and others that they wanted to apply to the court to have their parents' parental rights removed. I actually know someone right here in Cayman who has done just that. And they left a toxic home with other siblings. Like They were so hell-bent on getting out of that situation that they actually left siblings behind. And I know that they feel, you know, there's always that when you leave a situation like that, when you leave this functionality, I've talked about it even from my own personal experience, you get out, there's always a sense of, I got out, but I feel bad that, you know, my siblings weren't able to. And as a result of that, you know, their life story has been different. But as someone reminded me the last time we talked about this, everybody has choices. And once you become of a particular age, you've got to make, um, you know, some tough choices and, and move on. So uh, Vernita says, good morning, Miss Sandy. Glad that you responded. Um, to some of these little foppish kids. They need to know their place. Hmm. Uh, Jan says there are too many bars and nightclubs for a small island. Churches should be options. Come on, K-Man. Too much alcohol drinking. Well, Jan, you know what I would say is we have a fair share of both. I don't actually know which we have more of because K-Man is very much a one-day, uh, <laughs> at least one-day Christians. It might be Saturday for some or Sunday for others, but we have a lot of churches and we have a lot of bars and clubs as well. I mean, listen, you get two people together, all of a sudden they're building a church and they're setting up church. So I don't know that it's an issue of um, church versus the bar. I think people probably just need to make more choices in terms of the company that they're hanging out with and the decisions that they're making. And when you see children starting out um, at a really, really um, young age, fighting and getting involved in this kind of behavior, you kind of um, can see um, where the issue 
lies, you know? It, it, it's, it's very, very close, as they say, the apple does not fall far at all. So yeah, makes, makes total sense. Um, you know, we don't like to uh, judge people, but um, there's a reason why we judge people because a lot of times certain behaviors are very, very predictable. And, um, you know, you grew up uh, being able to drink and beat people up, other kids with no accountability, then I hate to say it, but that's exactly what you're going to do. And then, you know, the kids are out of control and the parents don't even have the time to show up to uh, meetings and so on when they're called to come and do so. So it's, uh, it's a sad situation. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very sad situation. So I see some people sending me voice notes, obviously. I can't listen to a voice note unless you want all the came man to hear the voice note. So we'll get it. Um, someone is saying, good morning, Miss Sandy. My friend is asking if you can unblock him, please. He wants to see the news and what's happening in Cayman. Um, normally you get blocked for a reason, like a really good reason. And so I often don't even remember why people are blocked because I just block you and I move on. I'm not keeping a log of who's blocked and why. And so for me to unblock you would be an extraordinary event and it's not likely to happen essentially. So um, a short answer to that young man will be no. Sorry for your friend. Whatever he did to get blocked, he should have thought about it beforehand. Uh, you know, sometimes we keep giving people chances upon chances and what they don't, what they um, need is a little bit of tough love where you say, okay, this is the action and this is a consequence. And you'd be surprised how so many of these younger folks are just not used to any um, consequences whatsoever. It's part of the reason why they keep doing what they are doing. And sometimes the consequence is Auntie Sandy is going to get a little bit out of sorts and bring out that Georgetowner in a way that, you know, you might not have seen before, you might not like it. It's, it's fine. It's okay. You know, some people are like, oh my gosh, but you're supposed to be so prim and proper. Not really. I'm a real person. Real. Like, real, real. And there's different sides of me. Okay? I don't go out of my way to be prim and proper. I don't go out of my way to pretend to be something that I'm not. If you know me, you know me, and it is what it is. And so, you know, this is part of who I am. And, um, you know, you catch me on the wrong side and I tell you about your behind with some very colorful words. That's also part of who I am. And I won't make any apologies for that because you can believe that um, when I go to that Sandy, trust me when I tell you, you would have earned it because <laughs> it doesn't, it's not a decision that's ever taken lightly. And um, some of you might've been surprised and you might be shocked, but this is why, um, you know, you don't often see it because that's not really a part of me that I like to show, you know? We all, listen, all of us, well, not all of us, I don't know where y'all come from. Let me speak very personally here, okay? I came from an environment with, of chaos. 
in the same type of environment that these young kids are growing up in. So it's not like I don't understand where they're coming from. But I also know that even at the age of 14, you've got to start making better decisions with your life. You understand the concept of consequences and that your actions are out there doing things to certain people. And if you choose to be the bully, um, just because you know your, your life situation isn't the best and you wanna have one up on someone, then there, there might be a bigger bully that comes along and kind of puts you in your place. And, you know, that happens. And, you know, some of y'all might've been offended by it, but guess what? We'll just be moving on. And it is what it is. Good morning, um, Mr. Everton. Jamila is here. Marshall says her and her mama uh, need a good cow cod. You know that. Ms. Dean says, I love that you acknowledge your platform. It's like roll call. It sure is. Everybody's present this morning. Almost 400 people already. Because y'all here for the sis, honey, chill. Gabby, I know some people are like, oh my gosh. Let's see. Is Sandy going to be out of sorts this morning? Nope. There's a time and place for it. Believe me, you. Uh, Gabby says, definitely more churches and most of them do nothing for the community. <laughs> Good morning to Ms. Charlene. She says, we have too many of churches here already. It's not about a relationship with God, but about money and evil deeds. Just saying too, too many of both, in my opinion. Mm-mm. Jamila is here. Everton says, my opinion is that people are having kids at such a young age that they realize they don't have all the free time to do things that they normally do. So they leave the kids to take care of themselves. And some kids end up growing up by themselves with no guidance from the family. Um, or the parent because they realize that they had kids at such a young age and they want to do what they want to do. Um, Definitely some truth to that. And I think there's also truth to the fact that a lot of people who are having children probably should never have children. (laughs) You know, they just don't really want the real responsibility. And it's not easy. The easiest thing in the world is to push the child out, I suppose, or to have a C-section. But knowing that for the next 18 plus years, you are responsible for this person right? And you should be trying to mold them in a correct way. And that, it, that means being consistent day in and day out, talking to children, instilling good values in them, not just shoving them off on a youth church, youth group, or your grandmother or somebody else to try and raise. It takes work. It's hard work to raise children. And I fancy that there are people in this community who don't want the hard work. And I'm telling you, they're the same ones who are taking their children to Kimana Bay and just dropping them off with no supervision. And, you know, I I try to be a little bit sympathetic. I have a six-year-old and I know like some days you're like, oh, can I get a little break? You know, like when was the last time you had a date night with just you and your husband or whatever? But these are the sacrifices. We had one last week, Friday, and that was the first time and I couldn't tell you how long. Um, But these are the sacrifices that you make. I saw someone saying yesterday, oh, we need to go to like a, Um, reduce the work week or something so we can be better parents. When you signed up for the job of being a parent, you knew what the work week was already. And you know the real hustles and and so forth of trying to survive in Cayman and that you have to work in order to pay your bills and to try to survive. Everybody knows that. So you don't get into it and have children and then say, oh, now that I have my children, can we go back in time or can we make these changes um, where I only have to work three days a week? Who's going to pay you a full-time salary working three days a week? 
I mean, maybe three days in the office and the other couple at home. I know a lot of places around the world are trying this three, four day work week. And they say it's working fantastic. It's working great. But most of us know you got at least a five day work week, depending on your job. And so, again, I go back to one of my basic comments that I will stick to forever is be wise, make decisions before you have children. If you know that you're already struggling, working a full-time job, paying your bills and finding the time for family, why would you go have four or five children? Because each child deserves to have you as a parent. Each child deserves your time, right? So yes, you have family time. You have family dinners and whatever, and most of y'all not even doing that. But you should also make individual time for each child because each child is different and you need one-on-one time uh, with your children. So I'm a bit perplexed when people have children and they go, oh man, it's so hard. I'm like, yes, but did we not foresee this coming? Louise says churches are far from being what they used to be. It seems like a big uh, business to me this day. Just saying. Diamond Princess, good morning. She says that make you wonder uh, the future will be with these generations. Well, it, it is sad. And um, again, you know, I don't want people to think that this is the majority of Caymanians or this is the majority of the Cayman Islands. It's always 20% tops. But the 20% are the ones who burden the system with, with 80% burden on the system. So they're the ones who are burdening NAU. They're the ones who are burdening the police services in and out of courts all the time, you know, in and out of prison. They, they take up a lot of resources. And, um, you know, the younger we get to them, the better. And I can tell you from family members who have been school teachers, the school teachers know from the time these children are in year one and two, they can pick out with a 96% accuracy. Go read that Yolanda Ford report. Which children are going to be problem children? Yeah. And unless there's some serious intervention. And my thing is, if we can, at year one, identify the children who need the extra support, who need the help, you know, why aren't we aggressively addressing at that stage? And I'm not saying that there's stuff that isn't being done, but I think it needs to be a more aggressive approach. But here's the biggest problem. The biggest barrier to all of that is actually the parents. And the families, if they don't see the value in in showing up to PTA meetings, engaging like this mother, total denial about her daughter, right? If they don't see the value in engaging with the police, engaging with all these support units and services that are available to them, then what are you going to do? This little girl is creating um, WhatsApp groups where she's saying that she wants this child to go kill herself, that she's been harassing for years. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you know, I have a chat here. I'm not going to show it to you, but uh, this again, um, warning letters, suspensions uh, from school. The, the parents cannot be, oh, well, my daughter knows better. No, she doesn't. No, she does not. They're, they're suspended again from school for bullying and this type of behavior. And they continue to do it. That means that as a parent, you have no control. And if you have no control and you can't control the situation, you need to call in some reinforcement. Yeah. Creating all these fake and burner accounts. This is what they do. Again, y'all give your children phones and they have no control 
over what the children are doing and how they're doing it. So I'm waiting on our second guest to come in. Um, you know, lots of what they do is being captured. People are screenshotting it. They're video shoot shotting it and stuff like that. Someone sent an email and they, you know, talked about the same young lady saying that there's a whole lot about her and they listed 10 things. Yeah. That are um, really, really shocking that demonstrates definitely her parents have lost control of the situation. Ms. Olive says, good morning, Miss Sandy. I'm in class. Good morning. Um, KK agrees with Everton and Diamond Princess. Scott says, CMR, one of the few places in Cayman where actions have consequences. <laughs> I mean, people seem to, to forget that point as well. Um, I want to say one thing, because, you know, people... In my comments yesterday, I made mention and um, just really as a reminder, because I do believe that some people often forget uh, where you come from. I don't I don't forget where I've come from um, for a very, very good reason, because, you know, where you come from, as I was just saying, has a real impact on your life forever. But what I want to say is this. Somebody made the comment, oh, yeah, you know your family to the rockets and the barns. And that's why you don't be posting up nothing about them. I mean, I don't know how much this person pays attention, but nothing could be further from the truth. I've said it before and let me be very, very clear. I don't care who a person is, right? If they're involved in shenanigans and they end up on this platform, it is what it is. I've had my own sister featured on CMR for borrowing money from people and not paying it back. What am I going to tell you? Except that she borrowed the money and didn't pay it back. And just like everybody else, she deserved to be featured. She was on a list of people who went to one of these cash to pay day places, borrowed money and didn't pay it back. The guy sent me the list. I saw her name and she got posted the same way, just like everybody else. It is what it is. Now, the only difference is my family members get upset with me. So I've then got not just external people cussing me out and carrying on, but then I've got her, her daughter, my niece, cussing me out and carrying on this and that. It didn't change the price of rice in China. It is what it is. On this platform, I don't pick any like, oh, I'm not going to post you because you're a family member. Nope. There's another incident where uh, um, he would be, I think, a nephew got involved in an accident a couple years ago right here in Savannah. And one of these illegal bikes, posted it up. At the time of posting it, I didn't know who, who the person was. Later on, I heard, you know, oh, this is your nephew. And I said, okay, good for him. He's lucky to be alive. Because these young boys, can't, they can't hear. They certainly will feel. Right? And this young kid, um, yep, had a rough life. Again, parents not engaged. These are family members. I'm well aware. And they're not doing their job. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're not doing your job as a parent, you're not doing your job as a parent. And, you know, here on this platform, in any event, equal opportunity, exposure. And so some people say, oh, you're not going to take it down, cut out your nephew? Nope. No intentions of doing any such thing. Crystal clear? All right, Jay, I think we're still waiting on one more person, right? Is she coming? Um, all right, let's give her a few more minutes. Read through some more comments. Um, Nathina says, tell them, Sandy, no hypocrite face round. Yeah. Diamond Princess says, I agree with you. 
Churches are not the same in a business to most of them. Good morning to Miss Lynette. Lynette is present. She says, nothing wrong with being real when we live in a world of so many being fake and accepted for that. Yeah, honey, child. But when the realness gets a little bit too real, they're like, <gasps> um, KK says, it's come in like I know two different Sandys. The Sandy I seen last night, phew, laughing out loud. And the one yet now, proper. Well, you know, KK, everybody is a 360 individual. We all have different sides to us. And this is why I never swear when somebody says, oh, you know, somebody did this, but no, 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 they can't be capable of doing that. And I'm like, hmm, me? I don't swear for nobody. Morning, caller. Um, Principal Sandra? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I like that little cherry sandwich. So much better. Uh, What's the scoop? Yeah. Well, we, we, we're talking about it. Lots going on this morning. We had, we had a uh, stabbing incident. Did you hear about that one? I don't know what yeah, time yeah. you turned in. Yeah. So we just, we just talked about some of these frompish kids who are not used to oh, yeah, as for them, any behavior. As, the, the more you do for them sometimes, it's the less they, they take um, notice. Let me tell you something. I know about going to the courthouse this week. Next week, you know, week after that, I get a break on the third week of the fourth week of the month. Then I know about walking to the the um the homes or taking my last little money to pay to get to the, the, the homes. Um mm -hmm. and I went every time. I went every time. So I'm just talking to parents. Yeah. You gotta get up and you gotta go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm dropping down, but I'm dragging my foot and I guide. I go in West Bay with my son out on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. That's not hard. Or I go in Borden Town with my son out on a, on, on a Saturday. That's not easy. Mm -hmm. But I am going. And, you know, sometimes I get back to the fact sometimes it's not the children's fault. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't see people turn up. I go to court. I go to court. I go to court from 10 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the evening. I'm still out that way if I turn to six in the evening, I'm still there. Continue um completing the process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not a pen in your pocket, but I am there. Yes. But anyhow, you know what I finally told the school? Mm -hmm. I say, you know what? You need to arrest, make it mm -hmm. come back to me. I put my behind in court, even though I'm talking and cussing and crying and begging mm -hmm. and staying up. When you put me in court, then people will see that mm -hmm, there are mm -hmm. consequences to these actions of you leave home in the morning, mm -hmm. hoping and thinking, oh, well, you can go to school this time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, along the road, I got my mother, I got myself, I'm struggling. Yes. And you mean tell me that you got children that don't understand, mom, I'm struggling, dad is struggling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it, it just won't be hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what? Um, and, and, you know, to be fair to children, I mean, you know, children respond differently sometimes to going through puberty and, and peer pressure and different little things. Right. But again, the, the home environment is critical. And sometimes as parents, Miss Charlene, we have to be honest that we introduce our children to home environments of abuse. Sometimes it's not us. It's the, it's the other spouse or other family members that are abusing our children, that are dysfunctional. But the mere fact that we we have children in that environment or we stay in that environment, 
we have to understand that our children are going to be exposed to that. And with exposure comes damage. So, um, yeah. Show up. Yes. That's a, that's the least you can do. That's the least you can do is show up. Let the magistrate see your face and determine yes. from afar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes when you can see the change in the case. Yes. Let the principal see your face. Yeah. And like I said, I told I told him, listen, send the police for me. I'm supposed to get him here and he's not here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't know how hard I struggle to get people here. Mm. So send the police to me. You All know, right. we, we don't do it right. We don't, we, sometimes Absolutely. Don't, we don't do it right. As a parent, you got to turn up. Please. That's you right. might be some people are ashamed, but you mm -hmm. got to go to make the children know, number one, I do care. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. hurtful. It's shameful. And let the system know, I do care. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling. Might not get it right, but I do care. Parents, please. If it's just because you're shame, mm -hmm. you know, just turn up, turn up, turn up. Thank please, you, honey. Please, turn up. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate you. it. We're going to go ahead and invite her. Now, this is the one I like. This is the one I like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, chow. You're lucky if you don't see the other one, you know. But like I said, the other one don't come out too often. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> she's there on reserve when needed. All right, listen, let's switch gears a little bit here this morning. Um, we are tickled pink. All 435 of you watching right now, stay tuned. We'll come back to those topics in just a second. But we're tickled pink to have in the studio with us Mr. Jay Earhart this morning. Uh, Jay is the director of the Cayman Islands Tourism Association. And they have a very, very big event that is coming up on May the 13th. And it's called Taste of Cayman. Hold on. I need to do, be I need to do better than that. Hold on. Taste of Cayman. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Taste of Cayman. <laughs> Absolutely. And, oh. Now we can turn that off. Oh my gosh, hold on. Oh. There we go, there we go. Should I have and, it uh, it's, it's a fantastic event. First time since 2019, of course, of course, COVID interrupted a lot of events, but this one is back and it is back with a bang. So um, Jay, since we spoke the last time, you've been able to um, finalize some details and release some additional information. Ooh. It's like you're doing a slow release to keep us engaged entire uh, road to you know the taste of Cayman. So I'm so excited about this. We did so tell job, us man. what has happened. We we now know who some of the vendors are. So can we talk a little bit about who those individuals, those companies, I should say, are? You know, I um I don't have that up and running right here. Let me oh. find that. That's not okay. what I have ready to run with today. But that's okay. Um, we have. Yes. I know a few off the top of my head, but I don't yeah. want to necessarily leave some out. And I. And yes. I, so I, it's one of those things where, uh, but you know, we've got um, uh, the edgy veg will be out there. So that new restaurant in Kamina Bay, we've got um, mm -hmm. all your local favorites will be out there doing great food. We've even got um, yeah. uh, Heritage Kitchen's going to be out there. So if you get your yeah. uh, your great stuff from there that they always have, I, I just don't know. I, I don't have it in front of me. My bad. Yeah. And it's, it's on the website, folks. And the list is okay. growing every day. They're actually updating it. So that's what the most food over. 30 food and other vendors out there on yeah. the uh, Festival Green. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. 
So now um, the big, big announcement, main stage entertainment. So let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, what yeah, we're very excited. We are, and I can do my best radio voice for this one as well. Mm -hmm. um, we are very, very excited to have uh, our, you know, Tasty came in is always famous for the tribute acts. We always have had great ones in the past, whether it was Michael uh, Jackson or um, Elton John or all the other ones, Queen. I think Queen was one of our favorite ones as well. But this is a, a, like uh, like no other. So mm -hmm. we're going to have a tribute band of all female vocalists embodying the megastar personalities of Madonna, mm -hmm. Cher, Adele, and Lady Gaga. So mm -hmm. collectively, they perform as the Material Girls. And it's a Canadian peace tribute band that covers the best songs. So it's going to be pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to them, we've got the fabulous 68s. And I'm extremely pleased to say that Dan Ebanks will grace our stage as mm -hmm. well, performing live for our people that are attending Case of Humanity. Yes. Nice. Very excited. So um, Dan Ebanks, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you saw him at uh, uh, Capella the other Cabella. day. Yep. Very, very talented young man doing amazing things. So we've got uh, a DJ, DJ Rion, is that his name? Yes. Yep. So I just got some other exciting news, by the way. I just received it via WhatsApp. <laughs> oh, you got breaking news for us? I do have breaking news and thank you very much um, because I'm chatting quickly with uh, WhatsApp. Oh, so one yes. of the things we do is we have a celebrity cook-off uh, during uh -huh. the, uh, the event. It's uh, one of the, um, I'll tell you when it's going to happen. It's in our demo stage. And the celebrity cook-off is going to feature none other than Salita Ebanks against mm. the Minister of Tourism, Mr. Kenneth Bryan. Mm. Say what? And, yeah, I know. So Kenneth just uh, confirmed, and I appreciate that, uh, Honorable Minister. Thank you very much. You are an amazing wow. friend. And thank you very much for that. So that's going to be quite fun. We're going to see two that's superstars amazing. up there. So the, what's going to happen is they're going to have little, um, they're going to have chefs behind them helping them. It's our amateur chef cook-off, um, and it's going to be quite of an experience. I think you're going to have fun watching it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. That's something I'm definitely going to sit there and, and take a watch and, and, and enjoy it. Wow. I wonder what, uh, I wonder what they're going to be cooking. I'm excited to see this. So I'm going to make sure I'm front and center for that one. See who's really got cooking skills. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. So we've got Chef Jessica Moore and Chef uh, Sarah Merdot taking care of uh, the, the overseeing of the two chefs. So it'll be great to see uh, Salida and the Honorable Minister up against each other having a good time up on stage. Mm. That'll be at uh, 5.55 in the afternoon at, on our demo stage. So don't mm -hmm. be late. Go Make sure that if, when you go, we open the gates at 5 o'clock. Don't be late. Or you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Um, so make sure you get to the we have the demo stage, we have the experience room, we have the all things came in uh, section, and of course we have the main stage. And it's chock-a-block full of information and things that are going on throughout the whole evening. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Wow. That sounds yeah, amazing. No, that's good exciting. news. And that's that's the beauty of uh, of modern technology here, folks. We get breaking news as um, you know, Jay is live. So we do have Ventisha Conley, who is also joining us. She is the um, events FOI and data protection manager for the Ministry of Youth, Sports, Culture, and Heritage. And of course, the ministry is playing a really, really key role this year um, in Taste of Cayman. So good morning to Ventisha. Good morning. Good morning. And sorry that I'm late. Got stuck in a little traffic. That's okay. We know lots there's, going on in town. Traffic issues? Um, traffic issues in Cayman? Really? I know. Actually, this morning. 
Um, so tell us a little bit about your um, your setup there on behalf of the ministry and what we can expect to see. So the All Things Cayman um, area will have a small main stage where we'll have performances by uh, local artists. So um, Red Bay Primaries, School Choir, um, K-Pop, which is a... Um, band from John Gray High School. Uh, we'll have a dance performance by Dream Chasers Cayman. Um, we'll have the Cayman Islands Youth Choir and the Cayman yeah. Islands Folk Singers on the stage, as well as Young Phoenix Sing. So we'll have entertainment in the Cayman, all things Cayman area. And then we will also have, of course, our, our artisans who will bring their um you know, thatch work and, and different things for display. And um, usually there's one or two of the older ladies who's sitting there and actually um, plaiting. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it'll, it's also a demo um, kind of area. And then we will also have the heavy food, heavy cake and Cayman beef competition in the all things Cayman area. Right. Okay. <laughs> that, that's the part that everyone looks forward to. Yes, fantastic. Lots going on there for sure. Um, yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. I love the um, the heavy cake, obviously, and the Cayman beef competitions. But I think it's really, really important for people to continually have exposure to things like watching, you know, some of our elders plaiting. And, um, you know, these are trades and, and skills that unfortunately are a little bit of a dying, uh, you know, skill set. So I love to see it. And I, I tried yes. my hand at it. I don't know if you guys saw my Cayman Voices interview a couple, about a month or so ago with Mr. Um, Jarlow from East End. And mm. I tried my hand at it and it's hard. It is. It is very hard. Very, very hard. I mean, and I was doing a simple pattern. Um, but, you know, here's this gentleman in his 80s who can do very complex um, plaiting patterns and he's amazing at it. And I, and I had to think to myself, probably one of the reasons that, you know, his mental capacity is still rolling very, very well. And he has such a great memory is that when you engage in certain activities like that, um, it really keeps the brain young. So I'll be looking forward to seeing some of that. Um, so we've got main stage performers, local music and entertainment acts. We've got a celebrity cook-off, which is just breaking news this morning in terms of who those individuals are. So it's going to be the Minister of Tourism, the Honorable Kenneth Bryan, and um, Salida Ebanks going up against each other. Do we have any indications of what they might be making, or will all of that be a surprise on the day? Surprise on the day. Okay. All right. But it's, it'll be just fun watching. I'm gonna. I can see some flour being thrown at each other. I really. I can envision <laughs> that out on the stage. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. We're definitely gonna be. And then following. Shortly after that, after we um, so after they have their their, their chef off, for, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, we'll announce the winners of the heavy cake on that particular stage. And then we're going to have Top Chef versus Firemaster. So that's where the Top Chef Canada, Mr. Trey Sanderson, who's coming mm -hmm. down to visit with us, is going to go up against our locals, um, but also a TV host in Canada, uh, Dylan Benoit, who owns Carnivore. And they're mm -hmm. going to have a little chef off competition as well. So it'll be the battle of the mm -hmm. Canadian chefs up there, too. But it'll be a lot of fun. Mm, Aliano's saying that he's going to be walking with his Pepto-Bismol just in case. Um, <laughs> you won't need it. Trust me. Everything's going to go down so good. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, Lavana's husband, Tisha, wears so many hats. She's awesome, I must say. She is. So, um, Thanks, Lavana. But I also want to um, promote the experience room. Our young oh, yeah. chef um, winner for 2002, uh, Chef Brittany Bodden, will be in that area, as well as um, one of my local uh, dessert connoisseurs, um, Dulce Treats, is going to be in the experience room, um, along with a, a host of others. So, mm -hmm. you know, don't miss out that also. Mm. There's so much well, going tell, on. tell us for those of us who might not know what the experience room is, tell us a little bit about what that is. Sure. Well, the experience room is will be you have to it's um it'll be a ticketed event. So you have to pay, pay, uh, pay a ticket to get into to see these events. But Brittany's gonna be fantastic. We also have um Chef Mark Lee, who's the in-house chef of the governor's residence, doing a special cooking demonstration. But mm. when you get in there, it's like um one of those demonstrations if you've ever been to the Cayman Cookout where the chefs are up there and they serve you a little bit of the food that they're actually preparing. So it, mm. it, you do get to eat and have a little bit of fun. So Brittany will be serving a little bit of food. Mark Lee from the uh, governor's uh, residence will be uh, serving a little bit of food. We also have the chef from Anchor and Den, Jonathan Puentes from doing a fantastic Spanish paella. So that'll be great. And then one of the other international chefs that uh, we partnered with the Department of Tourism to bring down, Jeff Morrow from the Food Network's uh, Emmy nominated show Sandwich King will be doing a uh -huh. fantastic demonstration as well. So that's the experience room. Okay, beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's talk about events, how people can get at their tickets, where, pricing, and how the wristband system is going to work. Now, I think I got a taste a little bit, um, Jay, over the weekend of the wristbands because I was at Capella. Now, yep. will yours be linked to our phones where we can, because one of the biggest complaints I must tell you at Capella is people are like, I don't want to stand in line to buy a ticket to top up a wristband. No, we understand. We, we get that 100%. So there will be a portal that you can log, log into. Um, mm -hmm. they, and you go to the, one of the event pros people, they'll set it up and they'll link it up and you can do it all right then and there. Or you can stand in, there'll be a, a, several booths where you can use cash and just go and top it up as well. But what the one of the great things we're going to do prior to the event is we'll have a couple of days um, where you're going to go and be able to pick up your wristband beforehand. Right. So similar to what they did for Kaboo years ago, you'll be yeah. able to go and grab your wristband beforehand, and yes. then you're automatically go straight into the to the show. You just you've got your wristband, you just walk straight in, right. and it'll already be uploaded. You'll have all the information about how to upload to your wristband. Um, everything will be right there. So it, it's hopefully will run very smoothly. We're we're yeah. really have planned this out, and we got to thank Capella for doing a dry run. We saw yeah. what, what did work and what didn't work. And we love yeah. those guys over there. They're fantastic people. Yes, but, uh, absolutely. We, I think we can do it better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So then there's a possibility that I can actually top up even before I get to the venue. Like I can say, yes, okay, 100%. My There'll budget for the night is $100 or whatever. Yep. Whatever Beautiful. you want to put on there. One, yeah. other, one other criticism that I heard um, is that uh, the food vendors, um, which I mean, in this case, you're not really paying. I mean, I think Capella was a bit different, like food vendors had pricing and whatever, but is there any um, indication of how reasonable it will be for people to like use their points um, from their wristband for food? I mean, have you guys encouraged people to not mark up just because it's a food festival to not mark up their prices an exorbitant amount? So like Tasty Command is quite different. Yeah, Tasty Command is quite different. Depending upon yeah. what's being served, um, it might be cost as little as one ticket or it might be as much right. as like five tickets. Um, yeah. I think a glass of wine will probably be six or seven tickets, something along those lines. Yeah. So it's it, it'll be fairly reasonable and it'll be fairly across the board as well. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the main bar or you go to one of the other places, 
it, mm -hmm. that, that will all be the same price. Um, and then the foods will be different. Just it's, it depends. So if you're going to uh, getting a fish rundown from Heritage Kitchen, that might yeah. be a little less expensive than when you go to say um, whatever the, the Marriott's going to be serving or whatever mm -hmm. um, the Weston will be serving. Um, I met with the head chef over there uh, last week and he's talking about doing this fantastic dish. So it might cost a little bit more, but it, it will still be like five to six tickets. It won't be that many. Okay. And the food and beverage tickets, are they separate or are they connected to the wristband as well? It'll either all be the same thing. So um, if it's six tickets, it'll be like six. I think each ticket is equal to about a dollar, I believe. Okay. All right. Very good. So that's, that's good to know some of the logistics. Um, the taste of Cayman. So you're not yeah, going to get so like wanna... a full plate. You're not going to get a full burger. Yeah. You're not going to no, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like samplers, really. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and but no, trust me, you you still can get full. I've been I've been oh, staying yeah. in hands before. <laughs> What's I I, when I was done, I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat another bite. I was like, oh my god. Uh, yeah, what, that's when, the, that that's when probably the Pepto comes in when I when I get back home. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, we're gonna talk about some of the logistics. I think coming up in the next week or so of like parking because we're we're coming now into the. You know, we're almost into the um, the sort of final uh, hours of yeah. this event uh, launch. And so, so there's a lot days. to do. So we want to encourage people to stay tuned um, to the DMS station. Stay tuned, obviously, here to the Core Hard Truth. And we're going to actually do a walkthrough. Um, Jay, I know that they've arranged it for us to we show are. people exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to show people exactly where we're going to go, where parking is going to be and exactly, you know, how the event's going to work. Um, so lots of that. Um, sponsor highlights, the Ministry of Youth, Sports, and, and uh, Heritage and Culture. And the main sponsors, again, we've got AI Rentals, Caymana Bay, DMS, and of course, Cayman Mall Road is on board as well. So, and the um, Department of Tourism. Don't forget them. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's absolutely right. Um, over 30 restaurants and vendor booths, a Seven Fathoms Mixology competition. That's going to be on as well. Bon Viant is having a cooking demo. And uh, the Ministry of Youth, Sports, Culture, and Heritage, Venetia, uh, Ventisha is here telling us about that this morning, is going to have an all things Cayman section. So um, local choir, bands, crafts, the works. Um, and of course, the heavy cake and Cayman beef competition, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, we've got the experience room. There's going to be a VIP hospitality lounge. Now, how does the VIP section work? Because there's different levels of tickets. So let's just remind yeah. people about that at this point as well. So there's general admission and then there's VIP. So VIP is sponsored by the St. June, um, June at the Ritz-Carlton. And so mm -hmm. when you get into the VIP tent, you'll get um, some canopies and a welcome cocktail, and you're gonna get preloaded with a little bit more tickets than, than a regular general admission. I believe you're gonna get 25 food and drink tickets included uh, for your adults and 12 uh, food and drink tickets for a child. It's $225 for an uh, adult VIP, $50 for a child, but that includes so much more you get also um, VIP parking, VIP entrance, um, VIP bathrooms. Uh, you get a better viewing area for the stage once the bands start. So there's, a, it's a lot included in that. So it's, it's highly recommended that you do the St. June at the Ritz-Carlton VIP area. Um, it, it's totally worth it. Also, you get a free experience in the experience room as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, wonderful. So um, we have a question here. Let me just see if I can... Um, do you get tickets up on entering, um, or you have to buy? So, um, again, so you can, yeah, 
Go ahead. Yeah, that's when we're changing it this year. You're not going to have tickets like the, the, the years past. We're all going to have the, um, the, 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 the wristbands. We're hoping that that's going to be 100% the way it goes. Yes. So, um, Wayne, you don't have to worry about running out of food tickets because everything, again, is going to be linked to that wristband. And I saw the vendors, um, and this was really fantastic, the vendors at Capella actually had the little phone app where they could, um, you know, scan and, and make deductions from your wristband. So everything was completely, um, you know, automated, computerized. It seemed to have worked um, really, really well up to point. And uh, you think, I think, again, Jay made a fair point that they saw how it worked and now they can streamline it, you know, because they've got a couple of weeks left before um, their event. So it'll be even better. Mr. Yeah, Goodluck, good morning to you. Um, so it says no shade, but how many Caymanians involved in this? If it's not at least 80% Caymanians cooking, then it should be called Taste of the World. Um, well, I mean, Come Taste on, of Cayman is the restaurant. Everybody that's in Cayman is part of Cayman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, really, Mr. Goodlook, it's all about um, the restaurant and, and you know, Cayman has, listen, we're the culinary capital of the Caribbean. Uh, we've claimed that title, and I think it's absolutely true. We have, in my opinion, some of the most amazing restaurants in the world. And uh, there's a lot of them given the size of our island. So you can pick, choose, and refuse. If you only, you know, want local cuisine, there'll be a lot of those options there for you. If you want to broaden your horizon and have something a little bit different and a little bit more um, exquisite or whatever, there's lots of options. Nobody should come to Taste of Cayman and leave feeling like there wasn't something for them. I've been to these events many, many times. And I can tell you that the food is always amazing. Um, there's going to be a photo booth there as well. So I think CG Brick K uh, is sponsoring a photo booth. There's live music, folks, um, you know, lots of local acts. There is the headline act, which uh, Jay mentioned earlier. There's a kid zone, which is going to include arts and crafts and games to keep your little ones entertained. Uh, fireworks as well, Jay. You guys are pulling out all the stops this year. Well, we do it every year. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's been a while since we've had Tasty came in, so we wanted to bring it back bigger and better than ever. Yeah, this is fantastic. All right. Yeah. So um, big shout out to all of the sponsors um, who obviously make this amazing event possible. The uh, date again, May the 13th. Um, it's a Saturday. Clear your, your calendar. What time? Oh, yes. There we go. 5 to 11 p.m. <laughs> at the Festival Green came out of Bay. Um, and yeah, just come out and have an absolutely fantastic time. So let me just remind yeah. you, uh, someone was asking about the ticket prices, Akina. Uh, general admission, adults, $60, um, children, $20. Uh, AI rentals, VIP admission, adults, $225, children, $50. And I don't think the children's prices went up at all this year, right? You guys kept that. We did not. We did not increase children's prices. We mm -hmm. realized that uh, inflation, cost of living in the Cayman Islands is really hitting everybody hard. And we know yeah. this is a family fun event. We want kids to come. We mm -hmm. want to encourage you to bring your children to our event. That's why yes. we have the kids zone. That's why we have the all things came in zone. That's why mm -hmm. we have these things is because we want the our youngsters to experience came in and came in food, came in culture. We want them out yes. there for sure. Okay. And um, yes, Akina, um, the regular admission tickets includes 12 food and drink tickets. Children get five. And then the um, AI rentals VIP admission is 25 food and drink tickets and children get 12. And then you can just top up as you go along. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, Ms. No, Batista, thank you. thank you so much. 
Thanks. And again, I do apologize for being late, but I'm looking forward to Taste of Cayman with Jay and the team over at CETA. So it's going to be a great day. Yeah. That that All Things Cayman booth is going to be amazing. Trust me. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to seeing it. All right, folks. Of course, we'll be there at the event live and bringing it to you direct. Have a beautiful day, Jay. Thank you. Rentisha, have a great day. You too, Sandy. Happy Friday, everybody. Get ready for Taste the Cayman. Yes, we will be there um, and in full swing. So we'll keep reminding you guys right up until the date. Um, get your tickets and stuff sorted out early, though. You don't want to wait till the last minute. Get your wristbands, I should say. And that's how you're going to top up and get your credit uh, for your tickets. So um, Mother's Day is the day after, Damien. So the day after that is Mother's Day. There's a lot going on this upcoming weekend and then into next weekend. Buenos dias, buenos dias, Miss Alba. How are you? Um, she says, como estas? Estoy muy, muy, muy bien. Okay. Let me see what y'all are sending me. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, honey child. Um, yes. All right. So this person says, um, Sandy, I don't understand how some parents have zero influence on their children. Zero. They also work against the professionals who are trying to help. It seems that they're not thinking about their children's future. And they said, sorry, I'm listening to the end of end part of yesterday's show. And then they go on to say, I can tell you that they need attention, discipline, and care, and the parents are just not up to par. Well, that's why I say again that, you know, unfortunately, um, parents gotta, they gotta be, listen, this is the most important and serious job in the world. And I know that some parents might've thought that they were ready and then they get in a situation, they find out, oh yeah, this is harder than I imagined and I'm not really ready. And, you know, that's when you've got to lean on the available resources. So DCFS is there. Um, you know, even the police are there. Um, you, you, they might be your last resource. You don't always want to be leaning on them, but, you know, they're there and available to you. What they say it takes a village, but folks, we've lost the village. I don't know where the village, the village is lost in the wilderness. And so it is becoming so much more difficult, right? There's so many things in the world that have changed that makes it more challenging to raise children. But if you're not up for the job, just don't have children. That's all I'm saying. Fornicate as much as you want, just don't have children. So listen to me. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know why it's so hard. Like when we talk about family planning and stuff, y'all act like like birth control doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is 2023. There are people who, did you guys listen to the um, speech the other day by Senator um, Thompson, um, who talked about, you know, the fact that she decided early on that she did not want to be a mother since this is, um, Barbados, um, Senator Elizabeth Thompson. And I thought that that was so interesting because, you know, she's, she's, I think she said she's 60 in her sixties. And that was a generation folks where you never said, that you didn't want to have children. And she talked about it. Did you guys watch this a couple of days ago when we aired it on, I think it was Wednesday. Um, everybody should watch it. We're going to re-air it this weekend as well. We're going to re-air her, her um, keynote speech as well as Marla at Dukaran. 
who's the Caribbean economist, right? When you hear a woman like this, who's a professional, who said that she made a conscious decision in her life that she did not want children. Yes, she's married. She seems happily married, whatever. But she doesn't want children. There's nothing wrong with that. And she was talking about how people would ask her, um, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want children? You can't have children? And it's like, no. Sometimes in life, she decided that she wanted to focus on just being a professional, having a career. And as Natasha said, oh, you know, there's some, only so many hours in a day, blah, blah, blah. Yes, Natasha, that's true. And sometimes, you know, you're working 45 hours. Sometimes you have to decide. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Or is it, or is it the other way around? But you guys know what I mean. You have got to decide what it is that you want. This concept that we can have it all is a lie. Somebody has been lying to us. You can't have it all. You've got to be prepared to um, make sacrifices. You know, I can talk from personal experience. In my younger years, I was focused on trying to get my education and I wasn't satisfied with just one piece of paper or just two pieces of paper. I'm like, no, I want to go to a higher level. So I did my bachelor's. I did law school. I did my master's. And really, I, I started my PhD. And knock on wood, one of these days, I'm going to get back to it. And I'm going to get that done as well. Right? That was, that was a sacrifice in my 20s and 30s. Work, school. A little bit of socializing. I remember when I was in law school. People were like, oh, you want to go out? Nope. Not got no time for that. I got to be studying. I got work to do. I was working full time, going to school full time. I had things going on. So I sacrificed a social life. You cannot have it all. During different stages of your life, you can trade off, right? So in my 40s, I said, okay, got a little bit of education over here. That's fine. You know, now I want to focus on because I, I wanted a child. So it wasn't like I was saying, no, I don't want one. I was like, okay, I think I found the man now. Because to me, that was really, really important. And that was also a sacrifice that married before, dating, uh-uh, none of them, mm-mm, they're not daddy material, honey child. Even if they're marrying material, you get in it a couple years and you're like, mm, yeah, then this is not going to be daddy material. This is going to be, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to be getting divorce material. <laughs> and then you find, you know, let's keep it moving here. These are the sacrifices you have to make. The most important thing isn't just having a man and having a husband, having somebody you can say, oh, I got a man. That's not important. When you have children, you better think about what kind of father this person is going to be. That is the most important thing. You know, you know how I see it? Now, y'all might not agree with me. But in my opinion, I would rather have a good relationship, nothing spectacular. I don't need no fireworks. I don't need him doing cartwheels around the place, whatever. A good relationship with a person who is an excellent father. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? Prioritize this man for the skills he brings when it comes to your child and prioritizing your family. Mm -hmm. Again, you can't have it all. 
sometimes you've got to give and take and, you know, give up a little bit of this, give up a little bit of that to find and to focus on what is the most important thing. You got to pick and choose sometimes in life. But again, we kind of grew up with, you know, I want it all. I want this. I want that. And it's just not, it's not going to happen. So we need a reality check. Morning to Mark. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Good morning, Sandra. How are you? Not bad, dear. How are you doing? I literally just got in my car, so I'm just catching the end of what you're saying here. Yes. Um, but I just want to add it. I'm jumping in, but I'm not sure um, if I'm on the right topic. I mm-hmm. think that in general, men and women mm-hmm. need to be um, uh, really, really think about if they want a family or not. Yes. And I think a lot of, for some reason, the message still coming out to our younger um the younger population is have a baby. It makes uh-huh. everything better. Right. And, um, you know, there are, are young men out there thinking that, you know, let me get somebody pregnant, have a child for me. Or there are young women thinking, oh, if we have a child for them, they're going to stick with me. And uh-huh. I think there are also mature people having that same mentality because so much pressure is put on by society uh-huh. uh, where, where this came at or around the world that you're not going to be anything unless you have make a make children have a family yes and it needs to not be like the expectation it needs to be something that is taken into consideration especially economic um, financial wise right now um are you emotionally prepared uh-huh, for, uh-huh. for a child they're, they're not like you know look at how some people treat our animals they, they're done with them they abandon them uh-huh. you can't treat your families that way and um there, there's emotional scarring left. There's there's trauma left. Um, there are people that think having a child will heal them. Yeah. Uh, because they'll do it better than their mm-hmm. parents did. And those are all the wrong reasons. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, how do we how do we change that mindset? We'll have to do education for, for the population. We'll have to talk to our young people in particular. Um, some of them are looking for love. And uh, the song is they're looking for love in mm-hmm. all the wrong places. Absolutely. And and they're looking for love and you can't, you can't really find love like that. Yes. You know, are you, do you love yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are looking for that. They're not, they're yes. not comfortable with who they are and they're seeking that in other people. Sometimes. That's right. people. Yes. So I don't think I, know Thank you. I apologize. I'm not coming with solutions. Yeah. Just, um, you know, thought, thought. That's okay. So, I love that. Thank you so much. Great. Have a great All right, caller, you too. And I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people I see messaging saying that this caller is um, spot on about what they're saying. I mean, I've heard of people having children because, oh, they need somebody to love them. I think, oh, my God, that's so sad because, of course, a child by nature comes you know, into this world loving you. But, you know, that's not the reason to have a child. Like you need to make sure that you have other things in place. And most importantly, you have to be prepared to not just give that child unconditional love, but unconditional love with the, you know, being a responsible parent as well. That's the part that, um, you know, is really, really important. And, you know, again, from my perspective, I have often wondered um, what kind of parent I would be because, yeah, just like a lot of you, I've got mama issues, daddy issues, you know, I understand it. We've been there. 
And so when you've been exposed to that, you do question sometimes like, what kind of parent am I going to be? You know, I'm so thankful that I waited. I think that I would have been a horrible parent had I had children in my 20s. I wasn't ready. There just wasn't enough in my own personal development to get to a stage where I could be the person that I am now as a parent, right? Um, I would have been one of those parents cussing and carrying on at your children and fussing with them and hitting them and dragging them all over the place. That probably would have been me. Um, so I'm thankful that I didn't have children then in my 30s, a little bit better, but still, I'm thankful that I waited. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. I just want to add to the conversation that we're having this morning regarding having children. Yes, ma'am. Well, to be honest, I, I have my first daughter at a very tender age. Mm -hmm. um, back then, I didn't know nothing about raising a child or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Can I ask and how, how old you were? 17. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, and my daughter is 20 years old. Now. We have a very good relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and, and um, I never have any problem with my daughter. Mm -hmm. I did not have any problem with my daughter. I have a lot of family members around me and they helped me to raise my child. My child is very groomed. I don't have no problem from my daughter was going to primary basic mm -hmm. school until this day. Yes. I don't have any problem with my child because it's the way how you grow your child in a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the way how you raise a child. Yes. And then I, because right now I have three children and all of them, mm -hmm. they are 10 years apart now. Mm -hmm. They're all 10 years apart. Wow. And I don't have no problem. I have a 10 year old daughter. She'll be turning 11 August coming. Mm -hmm. And trust me, they're wonderful children. And I am a single mom for, my, for both of my daughters. Mm hmm. So a lot of a lot of person feel like, oh, getting pregnant for somebody that is going to keep you and that person together. That is pure bullshit. You understand? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, even oh, just, just, if you just, get just pregnant. A reminder, just a reminder about the language because we're on air. <laughs> yes. Even if you get pregnant um, in a stable relationship, mm -hmm. sometimes it don't work. That's right. That's but true. Yes, yeah, sometimes it don't work. But being a single mother, you just have to basically step out of your comfort mm -hmm. zone. There's a lot of things you have to give up being a single mother. Yes. But at the end of the day, you put your foot down and you raise a child in the right way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was raised by my grandmother because my mother wasn't there. Yes. And at the end of the day, my grandmother raised me very well. I can talk about that like everywhere I go. I mm -hmm. can talk about my grandmother she raised us very well she raised us to, to to have manners to people to have respect to people i remember when i was growing up my grandmother always said to me that manners will carry you to the world and That's i remember right. one time i said to my grandmother say mama what do you mean by manners will carry to the world you know what she said to me mm -hmm. you're growing you understand and to tell you miss sandy being out there in the world mm -hmm. i realized what that woman was talking about mm -hmm. I that being respectful, having manners to people, and 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 having manners doesn't mean you have to manners. You, you have to have manners to people that is older than you. Mm -hmm. Have manners to your peers, respect your peers, and all of those mm -hmm. things. But you have all of these little children now. They're growing up. They have these bag of friends around them, and everybody head is in the same space. Mm -hmm. Leading who? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I am so proud of my two daughters that I have right now because they are back in Jamaica right now and not one single day I did not live in here in Cayman. I have not mm. received a call from their caregiver that, oh, they are giving trouble and they can't manage because of the relationship that mm -hmm. you build with your children. Yes. A, lot of these, a lot of these parents, they size up too much with their children and mm -hmm. they expose too much of their That's dirty right. life that they are yes. living to their children and that is not right yeah absolutely if i am having a uh, if my, when my daughter come here to spend summer because they always come here to spend summer christmas and all those mm -hmm. things and my little daughter i'm addressing my little at that time when my that when my little daughter just came to cayman mm -hmm. she was i think she was seven mm -hmm. or eight when she just came here and let me tell you something you know mm -hmm. As a mother, I am not the one raising them because basically they are in Jamaica. They are being raised by somebody else. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, Miss Sandy, I am so proud mm -hmm. and I never regret one day mm -hmm. having my child, having my children them, even though mm -hmm. I got pregnant very early. And if I am talking yes. and my little daughter wants to say something to me, she will come. She, say, she will say, um, excuse me, mommy, can I talk to you for a minute? Mm -hmm. And if I say, okay, I will be with you. She, she, mm -hmm. she, she, she left. Mm -hmm. We have some of these children, even when they see you talking to big people, they come, they don't care. Yes. I was at foster the other day and a lady was with her son and mm -hmm. the little son uh, wanted something and the parents said to her, said to him, no, you cannot have that. I want it. I want it. I want it now. And the mother was like, um, put it back. I'm not going to have you, let you have it. And the little boy fling it away and the parents, Miss Sandy. I don't have those things to deal wow. with my children. Train oh up a child in the way yes. he or she should grow. And when they grow older, they will never depart from that. Yes. Thank you very much, ma'am. Wow. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Very, very spot yes. on, caller. Um, Wayne says, um, you're one of the lucky ones, caller. No, it's not about luck. Um, it's about that even, listen, as the caller said, she had her first child at 17. But... Even at 17, if you have the right environment and the right support around you, you can still, you know, raise amazing children and respectful children, right? For different reasons, it's not ideal to have a child that young. Normally, because of a lot of the finances, you can't always afford it. Sometimes you're still very, very young. I keep telling you that the, the child brain isn't fully developed till 25. You're still really young. So you yourself growing up and maturing. And so um, that's the challenge um, that comes with it. Miss Olive says, real talk, because uh, Miss Vernita says, true caller. Melanie says, being a single mom is when you realize who you really are and what you're made of. That's not a gift for, ever, for anyone, single and fighting moms up. That caller speaking facts, um, says Siobhan. Johan says, this show is making too much sense. <laughs> thank you all sensible callers like this lady hashtag. Thank you. No, I mean, listen, this is what I love about this platform is we can learn from each other. We can share experiences. No, but notice what this, this lady said, and this is important, right? She had her first child at 17. Okay. She said she had her child at a tender age. She didn't then have child number two at 18 or 19. So what she said, 10 years, a lot of maturity, happens in 10 years. A lot of growth happens in 10 years. A lot of stability can happen in 10 years. 
The other important thing that the caller said, which I thought was critical, is that as, um, give me one second, I'm going to return a phone call from that last person. This phone just trying to update, honey, Joan. As, as um, she pointed out, you know, as parents, we have to be very, very careful what we're passing on to our children by way of behavior. So if you not, listen, you can be in your 50s and still not mature and not ready for children. And that's when you should probably just throw in the towel. So if, you, if you're in your 50s and you're still out there partying in these streets and jumping up and down and doing the most, right? And making your children see that as the normal lifestyle, then you can see where age really, really doesn't matter. But normally for most people, as they age comes good seasoned experience and you get better. There are some people who will get no better regardless of how old they are. Look at a video we were watching a couple of days ago with Kovan, who's going to be 60 years old and she's still out in these streets making a man pound her up, walk around drunk on drugs, whatever. You know, you're not going to do no better at that age. Then you know that the hope is kind of, it's kind of slim. Not that people can't change when they're 80, but by then God knows the pattern has been set. Uh, Yasmin says, thank you, caller. Well said. Vanessa said, I had mine at 19 years old. I didn't have any more. Um, and sometimes when you have them young, you, you, you are forced to grow up. And then you make some really tough decisions. Like Vanessa's like, okay, I'm done. That's it. I want to be able to enjoy the rest of my life. And I want to focus on my child. And you're still young, Vanessa, when you have a child at 19, by the time that child is an adult, you still got lots of time left to go out there and enjoy yourself. Uh, Siobhan says people, uh, children should not be in big people conversation. I'll stand by that till the end. And for sure, there's certain conversations that are not, um, that are not, you know, appropriate for children. Now, I'll tell you what, Siobhan, there is a balance and there's a difference of being involved in a big person's conversation versus, you know, talking with your children and allowing them to have a voice, right? So I find that Caribbean people sometimes kind of get this attitude about them, like, oh, be seen and not heard. And they tell children, which devalues a child's voice, oh, you need to shut up, don't have anything to say, don't talk, we're not talking to you kind of thing. That's wrong. Your children need to know that they do have a voice, that they can speak up, and more importantly, that somebody is actually going to listen to them. Because a lot of times we shut down our kids who are being abused when we put in their heads that you don't have a voice, nobody's going to listen to you, you don't talk until you're spoken to, that type of mentality. So I don't support that. Children can speak. They have to know how to say excuse me if they're interrupting a conversation. It's not always the appropriate time to speak. So sometimes you say, honey, just hold on a minute. You know, mommy's in the middle of something. But give your children the opportunity to speak. Let them be heard, right? Value the things that they tell you. Value their voices. I think that that's really important. And never make them feel like they can't tell you anything, you know? Talk to your children and let them know that anything that's going on uh, they can tell you about, engage with them, make the time. I was talking to a father yesterday about how as parents, we can utilize even the drop off and pick up times with their children as an opportunity to ask them about their day. Not just say, oh, you know, did you have a, a good day? Yes or no. Engage more. What happened at school today? You know, how was recess? And you'd be surprised the little nuggets of information that will come out about their day. 
Um, so we've got to listen to the program. Says um, the caller's spot on. I can tell you that uh, the kids need attention, discipline, and care, and the parents are just not up to par. I know a professor who came from Jamaica to work at ICCI. He said in Jamaica he would have one or two students in his class who had a child. When he came to Cayman, he was shocked to find that most of his students were parents. There is uh, pressure here to have a baby at a very young age. Why is that? Sorry, they meant to say UCCI. Um, they said, why is that? He was teaching first-year students. He said the Jamaican students hide that they had a child while the Cayman students were proud. So many babies are born to ill-equipped parents. Mm -hmm. Wow, it is, it is sad. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. Most of it is um, our, and again, it sounds counterintuitive, but trust me, it makes a lot of sense. Our Christian community hinders us from having honest conversations with our children. Because we put them in youth group, we send them off every Wednesday to youth group, every Friday to youth group activity, right? We make them go to church on Sundays, and we think that's enough. We think it's enough to just tell them don't have sex. And I'm telling you that obviously, look at the numbers around you, it really isn't. You need to be having honest, educational, informative conversations about your children, teenagers, even middle schoolers, appropriate conversation, about their feelings and why they feel a particular way and why they're starting to feel, you know, hormones starting to go a little bit haywire and that sort of thing. Uh, some of these young girls are out there looking for love in all the wrong places because they never had a father in the household. Some are looking for somebody who can better their lives. And we also have a lot of um, predators, men who are purposely preying on these young girls. So they want to be with a 12 and 13 year old because they can control them. They can have, take their virginity from them a lot of times, right? They can have unprotected sex with them and do whatever they want to these little girls. And the little girls are not understanding the implications of what these men are having them do. You would be surprised at some of the activity, the sexual activity that these teenage girls are involved in that is degrading and disgusting, but they've not matured enough yet to know that this is something that you should not be allowing any man to do to you, much less a man who is um, over the age of 16 and it's against the law. It's considered um, assault on a child, right? And oh, he can give you a little phone, he can give you a little bit of money. And because again, you don't have a strong home environment from which you're coming from, you don't have that father figure there and the mother is kind of in and out and doing whatever the heck she wants. Those poor children become very, very easy victims. They're easily preyed upon. And, you know, you guys know exactly how I feel about that situation and what should be done to those individuals. Uh, this person says, um, I need a page out of your book. I blocked my friend. Uh, oh, for hanging up on me. And after constant ridiculing, I unblocked a month later. Wish I never unblocked. I still feel upset for them hanging up on me and never got an apology. Okay, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, this person says, most of the baby daddies can't help themselves. I think people are just being irresponsible 
jump into a relationship and start sleeping together right away and matter um, of months living together and bam, breeding, not even getting a chance to know each other. That's true. Very true. All right. Um, yeah. So um, some people sending me photos of the victim already. Just got a photo there. Mm, what a hot mess. Um, so let me just see here now. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So lots of, uh, lots of comments coming in. Mm. Um. All right. Um, yes. I mean, you know, I think it's good that we can continue to share these experiences with each other. Good morning to Miss Gina. Um, John says, I believe she said adult conversation, Sandy. Um, Siobhan says, I get that, Miss Sandy, but certain conversations now is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, listen, the conversations that are not appropriate for children, and you really shouldn't be having those conversations in front of children for them to want to interject in it in any event. You have to learn how to like physically um, find the time and space to have certain conversations. We we do it at night after my daughter's gone to bed. If we need to talk about certain important things, we're not going to start a conversation knowing that she's in the room or she's close by and might walk into the conversation. We actually say, you know, she's going to go to bed in a little bit here. Let's talk about it after she's sleeping. So, oh, Johan says, I miss George Towna, Sandy. Uh, Towna. Sandy. Oh, honey, child, I don't, I don't think you're going to be missing her. Everton says the teacher's right, but tell him to come to the United States and see babies are having babies. It's not Grand Cayman alone. Sad. Uh, Marshall says when they tell them don't have sex, it's already too late because some of them are already having sex. The conversation needs to take place at a young age. Absolutely. And I think too that you have to be in tune with your children. You know, listen to me. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds are already like in their feelings a little bit. Like, oh, I like this little boy. I want to marry him. They don't even know what any of that means. You know, I remember the first time my daughter said she wanted to marry her little friend at school. I was like, why? Why would you want to marry him? Oh, because he's so nice to me. And I said, oh, that's so sweet. And then I said to her, but you know, just because someone's nice to you, that's not a reason to marry them. There'll be a lot of people in life that are nice to you. And that does not mean they're marriage material. I said, there's a lot of things to consider. And she's looking at me like, what? Like, oh? And I said, yeah, you're not ready for that conversation necessarily. But, you know, you drop in little nuggets um, into the discourse. Like, nope, that's not the only reason. That's good, though, because you do want to marry someone who is nice to you. You don't want to marry the mean guy or the bad guy. Yes, marry the nice guy. But there's more to it than that. Yeah. Uh, Natasha says, but we used to be able to not just survive, but thrive in a society. But one person working, now it's a struggle for both. What's the point in living if we're do, doing, if all we're doing is working to scrape by? Um, you know what? Um, I'll say to that, Natasha, 
I mean, I don't know what your background is or where you've come from, but I can tell you from my own experience, I've always had parents who had multiple jobs. I feel like my mom always had like six jobs because again, she had too many children. It's the truth, right? So it was always a struggle for her. I don't know that things were any easier for her back then than it is for parents now. I mean, I, I actually don't think so. I think certain things have changed about our way of life, but it was a struggle for her. And she was coming from one job, working, you know, eight, nine, 10 hour shift and going to another job. I didn't see her very often as a child because she was always working. So I don't know about that. And she's in her eighties and I'm the youngest and I remember her. Um, the little that I do remember of her, I remember her always working and it was a different kind of work too. It was like hard work. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I don't know, Natasha. I don't think it's any easier. I think what used to happen, which probably doesn't quite happen as much anymore, is you had more of a community or extended family support, right? So, you know, again, in the case of my family, I had a grandmother who took several of the children and she took on the responsibility of assisting with those children and raising of those children. And it was still a struggle out here, you know, and people were still making poor decisions. If somebody takes, you know, three, four of your kids and they're helping you raise them, why are you going out there having more children? <laughs> you know, it probably is the wrong message that you send to people sometimes when you um, try to, to help them out, you're trying to do a, the right thing and be good and help the children, which is always the primary concern. Um, Moy says, um, parents have other interests. The mother may forget the child due to the presence of self-interest, uh, such as taking care of herself, taking care of her parents, her hobbies, or even doing certain activities such as visiting girlfriends, which may lead her to not care about the child. And, you know, again, these are decisions that people have to make. It, it's a choice. And when you have children, there might be some degree of socializing that you have to give up. I used to go out before I had my daughter. And again, I didn't have her early in life. So I wasn't at their partying or whatever. But, you know, I still would go to a lot more um, functions and stuff than I do now. And sometimes when I come home, and it's like, okay, they're having this event, you know, at the Ritz or the Weston or whatever. Eh, do I really want to go? When I get home with my daughter, I'm like, nope, taking off my clothes and I'm going to just do other stuff at home. You got to be hard pressed to get me to, to want to then go out after I reach home. Um, you know, I remember there was the uh, economic forum, just as an example, the economic outlook the other day. It was a great event all day long. They had like an after hours, like kind of cocktail hour or whatever. Not, I couldn't go because you know why? I'm responsible for pickup duty. So I, my husband drops off. We have a routine. He does drop offs in the morning so that I can come here and work. And I give him a break the evenings. I do the pickup. If I can't, we do have Miss Stacy who can help out, but I try not to overburden Miss Stacy with pickup if I don't have to. If I'm in a meeting and like, okay, oh gosh, I'm running late. I'm not gonna be able to get there. But otherwise, I'm responsible for the pickup. And so even that, even like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to socialize with these people and do it. I'm like, but I, I got to go pick up my daughter. Friday, I'm on duty. I'm going to go pick her up, try to beat traffic coming out east and get home. That's, you got to pick and choose. Sometimes you got to pick, choose and refuse. 
Aliana says he's near 39. It's very much um, engraved in my mindset not to breed anybody or anything. Hashtag not every, <laughs> not every hole, yo, is what he puts as a hashtag. My God, Aliana. Um, well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Natasha says your partner is everything, emphasis and partner. Um, lots down here that need to focus on that part of the equation. And you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And trust me, Natasha, your life will be night and day if you pick the right partner or if you pick the wrong partner. Either one will give you very, very different options and a, a complete different outcome in your life. Some people can bring so much value, stability, everything to the table. Other people are gonna bring chaos, dysfunctionality, abuse to the table. So I agree with you a thousand percent. Pick and choose wisely. I'm gonna call that caller back, but this phone decides to do an update right in the middle of the show. But definitely, um, you know, pick and choose wisely. Look at the person. Look at where they're coming from. And don't always be quick to judge because just because of where somebody's coming from doesn't mean that they haven't made strides themselves and they haven't proved. Because I got to tell you, to be honest, if my husband just looked at where I was coming from, he'd be like, oh, no, honey, child, that's not going to work. <laughs> you coming from those crazy George Donna's, forget it. But I'm sure he saw that where I'm coming from um, has not defined me uh, for the most part until you, until, you know, when the other side comes out, then you're like, ooh, honey, child. Now we remember where Sandy came from. But 97% of the time, you know, he could see that I've turned over and not, not even a turned over new leaf, a whole new plant has sprung up and developed, yeah? But you have a right, folks, to try to, oh, this tea is very nice today. What tea is this? This one tastes nice. You have a right to um, to choose to do better with every generation. This is mint medley. Ooh, it's delicious. Mm, nice and tasty. Lavana says, I told my bonus daughter, <laughs> your bonus daughter, to try to marry someone like her dad, his ethics and kindness. He is so attentive and nothing really passes him. He's strict, but in a good way and totally understand it. Hmm. All right. So I see Jonathan here in the conversation. Um, I'm going to address Jonathan. Um, Jonathan has says, hey, Sandy, enough of this. Put me back on. Please, okay, I'll say it. Sorry. Hmm. Hmm. Well, how can I say it? No. <laughs> um, I appreciate the apology, though. But no, I'm not so sure that you've even learned your lesson, honey chill. Once you block, you can't come back. Now I know some of y'all sitting here going, ooh, Sandy's harsh. 
doesn't she believe in second chances? And I'm like, yeah, I believe in second chances when I think the person has actually learned the lesson, but I don't think any lessons have been learned here. That's all I'm saying. Um, Jonathan, I'm not going to say no forever, but I think no for now. You're going to, you're going to stay in that suspended corner. Mm -hmm. Auntie Sandy says, Johan, the community used to have standards and children knew that they couldn't be rude. Now, if you try to assist or speak to a child, even with the best of intentions, many people in society do not want or will um, tolerate anybody addressing their child. Uh, then it all goes sideways from that point, hashtag progress. And that's why some of us already know when you talk to certain children, honey child, you got to talk to them in a particular way that they can understand. Lavana says she doesn't like to say stepdaughter, so she calls her a bonus. That's so cute. I like it. I like it. Hashtag free crazy Jonathan says Johan. Aliana says hashtag free to homie. Poor thing. Uh, Wayne says, but Jonathan is on YouTube now. <laughs> Poor him. He'll get blocked there too. Mm -mm. Yes, sir. This is where it's at. 9362626. Uh, give the phone a second. It's updating. And so it's going to restart here shortly. All right, let's move on to some other topics. There are other things actually that we have on the agenda that we talked about. For the entire last week, um, oh, let me return this caller. Let me not be rude. What am I talking about? My apologies. I did promise this caller I would call them back, but this phone is still restarting. Jeez, I'm peace. Androids? iPhone would have updated a long time ago. I'll tell you the truth. And iPhone don't take that long to upgrade. I don't know what Android installing, but let's call this caller back. I did promise them that I would call them back because um, I think they want to talk about the topic that we were on. They said, hmm? Oh, did they say enter your current call? What? Hold on. There we go. Oh, yeah. Some other messages are coming in on the other phone. Hold on a second. Um. Okay, so this person says, um, software update. Okay, phone, just place my phone call. So this person says, hey, once you have evidence of the restrictions on vehicle imports, it proves that the 100K plus population orchestrated not going to work out. The people warn them. If you increase your population with work permit holders, what do you expect? Um, okay, this is not really on, on point here, but okay. Um, oh, this is interesting. Somebody forwarded this. They said, not a coincidence. Adult has five letters and so does youth. Mm -hmm. um, permanent has nine letters and so does temporary. Good has four letters and so does evil. Black has five letters and so does white. Church has six letters and so does mosque. Hmm. Bible has four letters and so does the Quran. Life has four letters and so does dead. Hate has four letters and so does love. This is interesting. Enemies have, uh oh, I lost my space. Hold on. Oh gosh. Enemy Bible. Okay. Enemies have seven letters and so does friends. 
Lying has four letters and so does truth. Hurt has four letters and so does heal. Negative has four, has eight letters, sorry. And so does positive. Failure has seven letters and so does success. Below has five letters and so does above. Cry has three letters and so does joy. Anger has five letters and so does happy. Right has five letters and so does wrong. Rich has four letters and so does poor. Fail has four letters and so does pass. Knowledge has nine letters and so does ignorance. Are these all by coincidence? Hmm. This means life is like a double-edged sword, but the choice we make determines our future. Wow. Okay. Thanks very much for that. Nice. All right. So let's talk about a few things that happened um, in Parliament last week when they were, um, okay, I think, I don't know. Okay, this phone got an update and then all of a sudden now I can't make calls. Lord Jesus. Um, hold on. Let me unplug it and plug it back in because I couldn't even hear it just now. Hello? Hold on. I think that update did something wonky to the phone. All right, let's try it. I should hear it ringing, but I don't. Mm. Mm -mm. Should I restart the phone? But didn't it restart during the update? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, hmm, not sure what's going on here. Okay. Mm, honey, chill. The technology be getting me all confused. Well, I'm not confused. The technology seems like it's confused. Caller, I'm trying to call you back, but it, it just ain't letting me do it. Uh, let me try one more time. The fourth time might be the charm. I'm not hearing anything. Mr. Goodlook says, Jonathan, just invite her up for lunch at the wharf instead of Casanova's. You'll be okay. No, sir. Nope. Praise the Lord. I don't need nobody to take me up for lunch in any jail. Um, and and to be to be very, very clear, you know, it's the same thing with our friend. Um What's his name there? Georgie, Georgie Porgy. Um, you know, for me, there's certain lines that once they're crossed, I am very, very cautious. And, you know, you get put in a box and um, I don't give you, um, you get second chances, but I'm not going to give you a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 10, 25 chances later on. That's just not how I was raised. Actions have consequences. Decisions have consequences. And a lot of times those consequences are um, things that you have to live with. So maybe I will restart the phone. All right. So let's talk about our MPs. Um, there was quite a bit that went on. I don't even know how to restart this phone. How do you restart an Android phone? What buttons do you press? Is it the two side button? No, that's volume. Is it the bottom and top one together? Oh, Lord. Who's an Android user? Miss Stacy, how do you restart this phone? I don't know anything about Android phones. I gotta tell you the truth. Let me close out everything. Um, is there a restart button? How do you restart it? 
What buttons do I press? I have volume and then I have another one here on the side. Which one of these buttons am I pressing to restart this phone? Is it the, what version? It looks ancient. No, this is supposed to be, a, um. which one this is again? The, no man, it's got like five cameras and all kind of stuff. This is, I don't know, S something. I forget which one. Um, come, Miss Stacy. She gonna come show me how to restart it. Which one? Which one this is again? Do you remember? I don't know. Um, which one's your press? The bottom volume, top volume. Yeah, restart it. Let's see if that'll help. Anyway, folks, um, pull down twice and hit the power button. Pull down and what? The screen. There's a power button. All right, we'll figure it out. Uh, so anyway, um, good folks, power volume up and power hold. Uh, El Ray says you can pull down on the screen too. Um, press and hold down the button under the volume buttons. So it's just that one by itself? This isn't one of those cases that you're not doing it. Uh, I'm not taking it off because I'm not gonna be able to get it back on. This is the other button. Let me see. So, oh yes, a message just came up. Said if you want to power it off. Hold on. Oh, now it locked. Um, it looks like you just trying to power off your phone. Press and hold the side and volume down buttons. Okay. So volume down and side. Uh huh. Trying to get there, trying to get there. Okay. So, folks, um, there's a lot that, that happened in Parliament. One of the things that is worth clarifying is to understand um, the motions that were passed. So you guys know last week, Friday, I told you all um, how I feel about this concept of West Bay having its own school. I don't think any of our districts are big enough that we should be trying to separate where Georgetown could have its own high school, West Bay that's going to have its own high school. And then, you know, but anyway, the motion passed. I was kind of shocked. It passed unanimously. And um, I thought that that was, I can't get this. Oh, thank, oh, I think it restarted. So it passed, where's the, oh, it passed un unanimously. And so when I was making some inquiries about how this works, I'm like, okay, wait, wait a minute. Does this mean that we're going to run out there now and be trying to um, build a new high school, which we know we ain't got money for that. Let's be very, very honest here. And I was informed and I figure if I didn't know this and I didn't understand this, probably a lot of you likewise wouldn't as well. Okay. I think we might be in some kind of business now because I just heard. Pew, 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 pew. Um, so what I'm told is all of these motions were what they call consider motions. So one of the more interesting ones is in relation to the East-West arterial, right? So Minister Jay and um, Minister um, Kenneth Bryan made, uh, you know, they took a very, very strong position that they want the road to be started immediately and to forget the EIA, let's just get the road started and that's going to help. So it was, 
a considered motion. I think Cayman News Service picked up on the fact that this shows some level of dissent, if you will, in um, the PAC government, because the premier, to be very, very clear, yes, I think I'm hearing stuff now. I hear ping, 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 plop, plop, plop. Um, the premier, to be very, very clear, um, is a environmentalist. I guess I could use that term to describe him. I don't think that that's, you know, unusual or whatever. And um, he has committed to putting the environment first, right? That's part of the remit of the PAC government. We have other people, however, who are saying, listen, forget about the environment in this instance. We just need this road built because we've got people li living in the Eastern districts who need access to this road so that we can all, you know, not have to sit for two hours in traffic. And their position is to not just, don't worry about the EIA for this portion of the road, just start it and build it. Now, apparently a consider motion basically doesn't mean anything. And this is what I was shocked to learn. And like I said, I figured if I didn't know this, y'all didn't know it either. Um, so what's a consider motion? It basically means a motion requiring the government to think about it. It's not going to make them do anything. Did y'all know this? Did y'all know that all this time they're sitting there arguing for hours and this consider motion doesn't mean really much of anything? It's hardly worth the paper it's written on. The government is going to consider a high school. They pass that unanimously. The government says, yeah, we'll consider it. That, that's like me saying, you know, you're going to call me um, and invite me to a party. And I say, yeah, I'm going to consider it. That's not a yes. Good morning, caller. Morning. Yes, I did know that. What? You know, I didn't know it. I, I learned something because, new. Because um, the backbench can't bring a motion that obligates government to an expense. That's why they can only ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, however, um, I... I have a little bit of sympathy for the position that the premier is taking on this issue mm -hmm. to some mm -hmm. for the following reasons. One is if you have a law that requires you to do something, you should follow the law. Mm -hmm. Basic, right? Yes. If you feel that you do, that law is uh preventing you from doing something that is necessary mm -hmm. then you have to change the law that's right you just can't ignore the law you have mm -hmm. to change the law because mm -hmm. right? that is the concept of rule of law mm -hmm. and here's the problem right mm -hmm. I, and i listened to you all this morning and basically what you're talking about the whole morning was people don't like to follow rules mm -hmm. and what people need to consider is this if you think about a person who is your, who is society's worst enemy, mm. what would you do to apprehend that person and lock them up? The way when I listen to some people, what I hear them say is they would break any rule mm. to put that person behind bars. Hmm. 
But here's what you have to consider. Mm-hmm. After you finish breaking all of the laws, mm-hmm. and then that person turns around and starts pursuing you, which law is going to protect you from that person? Mm-hmm. You see the flaw in the in in the logic. Mm-hmm. However, I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. You remember the premier coming onto your program mm-hmm. and saying the road in. He supports building the road and that the road will be built. Um, I think, as I recall, he said that he supports building the road and um, we have to go through the process. That's right. You know, so so just because he supports the EIA doesn't mean or doing that because that's actually required by law. right? Right. So to be very, very clear, no MP should be saying let's ignore the requirement to have an EIA because yeah. that means that they are ignoring the, the structure, the legal structure that we have in place that is meant to protect the environment. And, and, but, and but, willing, but the and premier... Wait a second, they're willing to prosecute you for doing something that the court instructed you to do, but now we have MPs advocating that we ignore the law. This is the kind of stuff I don't like about what's going on in this country. And it's not mm-hmm. limited to the right? But the, the, the point that I wanted to make about the premier coming onto your show and saying the road would be built mm-hmm. is this. You're right. He, he's, he's saying legally. That's what he means. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, Kenneth Bryan also said that the road would be built. But what my question to you is, do you remember what prompted them to say that? Mm. It was a comment that was made by uh, Gina Petrie. She said, uh, according to Kenneth Bryan, in his um, public statement on the matter, Kenneth said that she said that the reason for the EIA is to, to, to know how to build a road, but she added a phrase to the end of it that prompted their response. She said, or whether the road would be built at all. But that, but, but that appendices to, to the concept of what an EIA is, is what's causing the outrage. And so here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Who is it that's in the machinery of government that is that may not want the road to be built because remember the premier got up in the house and made statements about how ministry staff in the past didn't do certain things and yada 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 okay Mm -hmm. who is it that 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 are not politicians that have has decided that the road shouldn't be built. You see, here's my view. The road should be built mm-hmm. because the policy makers a long time ago said the road should be built. Mm-hmm. But if you don't build the road before you change the rules about how you build the road, then you have to go by the new rules, which is the EIA. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, okay, here's the problem. This, this is where the rub is. We have a situation in which the Political system has caused uh, the 
government to not provide adequate road infrastructure for the past 40 or 50 years. And people are frustrated. Mm. I have made it clear before, this is not about whether cars come from Japan or what age those cars are. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with it, which is why I was so disappointed in the government taking that position. What this is really about is the struggle between those who don't want the road built and those who want the road built. I believe that the road should be built and because of the urgency, the frustration that people in their in a day-to-day basis experience mm. uh, traversing the roads, the, not only should the government, but the civil service take out all stops, get extra personnel if necessary, expedite the AIA process, but let's get it done quickly. Mm. There are decisions that need to be made about how do you best protect the environment. I understand them. I'm not going to go through them. That would make my call way too long. But but I understand why the assessment is needed. But let's not drag our feet. Let's not play games with this issue. Let's get it done. Because it, it the, do you do you remember? I don't know. It must have been like 30 years ago mm-hmm. the chamber of commerce did um a study in which they assessed and i don't think they've updated it um subsequently to determine how much uh productivity loss we experience as a result of having people sit in traffic mm. the amount of loss you could call it opportunity cost that is experienced by the motor in public sitting in traffic mm-hmm. would blow your mind if you saw the number. Mm-hmm. Because way back then, it was, I think, if I remember correctly, about $20 million a year. I can assure you, it's way more than that now. I don't mean like 25, you know, I would venture to say it's double. So if you take these inefficiencies into consideration, what it's costing us, okay, I don't see why it is that people just won't do what they ought to do. And let's fix the problem so that people's lives can be improved. We'll be, we'll be better. You see the program you had with CUC on there talking about how much you could save if you did certain things in your house. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the economy is the same way. You can either receive additional income or you can find ways to reduce costs. And one of the ways of reducing costs to our society mm-hmm. is by having an adequate uh a road network that Mm -hmm. accommodates the degree of infrastructure that we currently have. I'll stop. I could say more, but I'll stop there for right now. All right. 
Thank you very much. Um, I was actually trying to find some videos here, but I'm having some difficulty with Dropbox. But what I think I will um, say is the premier doesn't have the option to not do the EIA. That's not up to him. So for people who believe that, you know, oh, he's going to hold up the road or if he doesn't do the EIA, um, you know, he, he, he can tell the department or, uh, you know, um, the National Roads Authority not to do the environmental impact assessment. Folks, it's in the law, right? And I know somebody made the suggestion, well, can't he just change the law? No. If the law says X and Y, and you come into a situation where you don't like it anymore, and you want to change it for this specific instance, that's not really how laws, laws are not meant for you to be able to get around them. <laughs> they were put in place for a very uh, good reason. And um, I do find it interesting that people believe that they can uh, make the request, even MPs, of just saying, well, you know, just change the law. I'm like, how, how, does, how does that work? How exactly does that work? Right? Um, Kevin, I cannot find this folder at all. Uh, I think I somehow just saw it, but then I don't, I don't see it. Oh, it's very bizarre. All right, I'm just trying to find some videos here, but having, having a bit of an issue locating them. So um, yeah, I mean, that's just not how it works. And I think MPs of all people should really, um, you know, should really try to, try to do, do their best with explaining the process to the people. It's one thing to get up, and to say, I'm in, I'm in support of this road. Let's just get it done at all costs. We don't care, whatever. But it's really the proper thing to explain to the people of the Cayman Islands. This is just a considered motion. The road will not be built tomorrow. It will not be built next week. The things that have to happen in order for this road to be built are probably at least to begin at least a year out. Talk to the NRA. Hear the logistics of why that is. Hear the logistics of where they are with the environmental impact, the scope. Remember they came in and they did this whole show where they explained to us the scope of what was in the EIA, what they were, the, this company was gonna be doing the whole, there, there, there's a process that has got to be followed. And you can't discard the process. Let me say this caveat, very limited um, situations, emergencies, like you, know, you have a pandemic, during a pandemic, you, you do things then to discard the processes only because it is that serious, but that is not something you would do um, as a matter of, of regular action. This road 16, 15 years ago should have been built and it wasn't. And I wanna speak to this because this is important, right? Subsequent governments have put you in the position that you are with all of the issues that this country is facing. This government is in now, and we have an expectation of them to start working on some of these solutions. It does not mean that they're going to be able to fix everything in four years. We will be lucky if they can start this road in their tenure. This is again why it's critical for you to think hard and think carefully about who you are 
electing to public office. Elect people to public office who understand the process, who know how things work. People make all kind of promises to you. If we go back and we listen to example, the chamber um, debates, where these people who are now in there made all kind of promises. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to fix it. Uh-huh. You know why they can't do it? It's not about them not thinking it's still a great idea or maybe even wanting to do it. The process has got to be followed. And there are certain promises that they may have made during the whole campaign hoopla that they will never be able to deliver on. And this is where an element of honesty is required with the people, yeah? So, oh, we're gonna force banks to do this and that you can't force no banks to do nothing. Let me be very clear. This is a commercial environment that we operate in and you have to operate within the law. So the law doesn't allow you to go to a bank and try to commandeer and tell them how they're going to run their business. You're, first of all, you're not a banker. Uh -huh. Secondly, you might find yourself in a bit of a predicament where you are actually trying to make changes, uh, not understanding the logistics of the changes that you're making. And you're going to be making changes that are quite detrimental. But on the surface, it sounds good. It sounds good to tell the people that we are now going to be controlling the banks. We're going to control them and tell them what fees to charge and um, how they're going to run their businesses. Doesn't that sound good? Y'all agree, right? Somebody says this is where he starts his rant. I don't know who they're referring to. Um, if I could, if I could get my video, we probably have it. But let me see. If I can just pull this up here. Um, because, yeah, this is exactly, folks, um, what happens is it's easy to get on a soapbox and to say things. It's a whole different story to try to actually get things done for a number of reasons. And a big reason is you have got to follow the law. You've got to follow the process. No one is exempt from the process because that is when you find yourself going to court. When you don't follow the process, that's when you get a judicial review. That's when people will challenge you and the government will lose. And they'll say, no, you didn't follow the process and now you got to pay out money which belongs to the people. Governments and elected people need to be very, very careful how they exercise their duty. Everybody's saying to me, boy, this government, you know, um, they can't do this and that. Um, all I can hear is a civil service, civil service. Well, I don't know if they're the first ones to just be honest with you and tell you what their limitations are. And at first, nobody was really saying that, but we kind of said, okay, why can't you control uh, the port, for example, well, it's the board, it's the board, okay? It's the board, but you have no control of a board that you've appointed? Well, we know they have no control of the civil servants. 
because they didn't hire the civil servants. They didn't appoint the civil servants. The civil servants are there to do a particular job. And, you know, on the one hand, I can see the logic for not wanting politicians to be able to interfere in that process. God knows we might never get anything done. And there'd be all kind of nepotism and favoritism and every ism, you know, in the world. So it makes good sense that there is a process that should be followed by everyone. Every time you're going to be put in a road, uh, putting in a road, here's the process that has to be followed. To me, those things make really, really good sense. Um, let me just see where this is put this video. We're, we're going to go into it. Let me see which folder it's actually in. It's in the April folder. All right. Give me one second here. So, um, so yeah, I think that, you know, there has to be a degree of realism and it, it's, we have to educate ourselves about how this works, right? So you, you guys know that certain motions pass and I know now in your mind, you're thinking, well, Sandy, didn't they pass that motion? Shouldn't it be done now? When are they starting the road? Again, know this, it's only a consider motion. The government's hands are not bind to do anything with a consider motion, all they're saying is, yes, they will consider it. There you go. All right, let me see here now. So this is the third sitting. Somebody just sent this to me. Um, and we are at what point in it? Let me see if I can find it. At 2.54, Mark. Let's see. Um, My contribution. Because the longer you're in your vehicle, the more fuel you burn. The more fuel you burn, the more cost it is. And Madam Speaker, one particular area for the area of my concern. Let's go to 254. Hold on. 232. Not a problem. Kids is not a problem. My health is not a problem. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Always been a sacrificial lamb. All right. So, so be it. There, there are some extremist environmentalists out there, right? And they're usually the ones with the loudest voice. Now, Madam Speaker, what I'm worried about with that is, you see, the general average person cares about the environment very much. That's our nature as Caymanians. We love our environment. But we want to live and eat and survive at the same time. And what is happening is, when people sit and they're sitting and they're getting nowhere and they're getting frustrated and all they're hearing is this and this no, no, no. And, and they're carrying it from the extremist environmentalists. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have the opposite extremism push back. And those people who are affected in a negative way, they're going to say, you know, I don't, they don't care. I don't, don't give no cahoots with no environment anymore. I want my road done. And that's when we're going to get in trouble because that's when the whole thought process of the environment is going to go out the window rather than having a balanced approach to this. When somebody can't feed their children because they can't get to work or they can't get home to cook, you think you're going to be able to tell them about any wetlands? Come on, man. You see, we keep on putting... This goes back to <laughs> this goes back to the state of nature, Madam Speaker. The priority of survival of life. You want to protect the environment? Make sure everybody who lives in the environment 
has good reason to put priority on the top of their list the environment when they're hungry when they can't eat when crime or education or these other things are problems environment becomes the low part of the issue you can't force it down their throat you want to help the environment help a young kid who don't have a job when they're making enough money to care and put environment at the top of the priority list because food is not a problem mortgage is not a problem kids is not a problem my health is not a problem when you solve the other problems then that jumps to the top that's how you fix the environment but madam speaker we don't want to talk about that we think that you can force this down the throat i'm going to tell you this today the national conservation council you need to reevaluate how you are approaching the vision and the plan you have to protect the environment because you're going to create a generation of extremists who are going to come and say, I'm going to get rid of the law and tear it up altogether. You see how passionate I've delivered? You see how passionate the minister is? These are the new members coming of the future. And we're frustrated because you don't want to give our people freedom. You don't want to give our people sleep. And you're not clear about the information either. It seems to be tricks and games. You tell me now why my premier hasn't gotten up yet. Come on, man. Premier, Madam Speaker, I was hoping I wouldn't have to get up. I wanted to hear because, listen, let's, let's be serious about this. He's the Minister for Sustainability. This issue is an emotive one for many of us on this side. And because obviously some of us don't feel confident about this topic. If we had felt confident enough, we wouldn't be speaking like this. You realize if I didn't get up just now, you would have moved it back to the speaker to close? You know what that would have meant, Madam Speaker? That mean the opposition would have said, you imagine... Not even a word from the leader. That's the reality. Now, people may not like the fact that I'm saying, oh, can I don't say that? That's the truth. This is not a joke. The road is essential to the people's lives. Now, if I had to pay the penalties for saying that, then so be it. We have to deal with this matter. Because you know what? Even investment is suffering as a result of it. People don't know what's going on. They're talking about a slowdown in applications. Ask the minister. If there hasn't been a slowdown in applications, maybe that's what they want. I don't know. Because people are worried. They say, is the National Conservation Council going to be in full charge or is it the elected voice of the people? I always thought, maybe I'm a fool, I don't know. I always thought that we were the voice of the power in this country. The people. But it doesn't seem that way when it comes to this issue. Madam Speaker, I'm going to stop there. But I'll say this together. Park United. Park United. Park United. All right, folks. Um, I, don't, I don't know um, 
I guess he was saying pack United for the benefit of the opposition because, of course, they're sitting there going, ooh, honey, chill. Does this mean that now we can go in and pull this government apart? Because, you know, they've been trying that from day one. And there's always talks about how um, that's going to happen to benefit the progressive government uh, and the opposition to get back in. What I will say is this. um, I appreciate uh, the minister's um, passion on the topic. I think a lot of us support the roads. Um, What we can't have, and this is, again, this is a balancing act, and I think that we have to appreciate where the balance is going to be and how it's going to work. Yes, people need to eat. People need to survive. Um, You know, all of those things matter. But if we don't have an environment, and Cayman has very little, I don't agree with the minister that we've always been concerned about the environment. Take a look around. We have been atrocious caregivers of this so-called Caymanian environment. We have trashed it. Look at how people treat it now. The, the junk cars, the, the derelict um, vehicles and, and properties that we don't even want to clear up and, and try to keep. Listen, we have been no stewards of the environment. God looking down at us and quite frankly, he would be extremely ashamed of what we have supposedly done with the environment. We just had Earth Day cleanup We could have Earth Day cleanup every single weekend and y'all still discarding your garbage all over the place. So we don't have a history of caring about the environment at all. We have a history of raping and pillaging and taking from the environment, tearing down our mangroves and doing whatever the hell we want, all in the name of development. Now, be very, very clear. I'm a very balanced person on this topic. I'm saying there has to be balance. The environment has to be protected. But in my mind, in the vast majority of instances, there are ways to protect the environment and still encourage development, still put in the road, still get things done. I am no, um, I don't know what what environmentalists are thumping on. It wouldn't be the Bible necessarily, but whatever. (laughs) You know, I'm no, no, you know, um, tree hugging environmentalists out here saying, no, don't cut down all trees. Like I said, I've, I've seen the extremes that the minister speaks about. And I think that some of it is absolutely ridiculous. I've seen people wanting to build property in the Department of Environment for Ms. Gina. I think she's caught between literally a rock and hard place. But, you know, they come up and say, no, 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 no. There's indigenous cockroaches living under that rock. So you can't build this development. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, sometimes it gets really, really ridiculous. It really does. Uh, we got to find a, a medium ground here, right? That protecting the environment, there's no substitution. Because we have such little of our environment left that if we continue to disregard the environment, we continue to throw it to the side, we're going to have some real implications of that, including things like our tourism product, which this particular minister is responsible for. What is it that people even come to Cayman to look at? The beach. We don't have no mountains, no rivers, no different topography, a beautiful ocean and the beach, and that's it. And we are out here polluting the ocean, doing the most to destroy the beach. We've got nature changing the beach um, line as well. We're building too close to the coastline. That doesn't help with beach erosion. Right? All of these things, seven mile beach, a soon be one and a half mile beach. And then what, what happens to our so-called tourism product? 
what is going to attract people to the Cayman Islands with such limited um, resources to begin with? We know the importance of the mangroves. We know the buffer that they provide to this country during storms. And we know the, the ecosystem that lives around these mangroves that has to continue to be supported. So with a project like this, the size of this project, the physical size, I'm not talking about the money because that's a different situation. The physical size of this project means that this will be the largest project that this country has ever undertaken. It's massive what we're trying to do here. Just like if we were trying to build a port, that would have been probably at that point the, the most massive project that we were trying to undertake. We couldn't build a port without saying, we've got to have an environmental impact study. For me, the same thing with the road. You can't build a road without having an environmental impact study done and knowing the implications of exactly what that means, right? It doesn't mean that the road isn't going to be built. It means that the road will be built in a manner that will attempt to protect the environment as much as possible. Our young people stressed out. I'm stressed out. I'm, I'm, I actually have to sit in this traffic. So I feel this more than anybody else. Yes, sitting in it when it's at its worst is horrific and it stresses it all out. It reduces your quality of life. But you know what's going to reduce the quality of life in the long term? Is if our, our environment goes to hell in a handbasket. That's not just for me. That's for my daughter and her daughter and her sons and future generations of Caymanians. And we can't just discard that. The truth of the matter is this road is not going to get built next week, no matter what you do. Even if you said for the sake of argument that you could discard the necessity for an EIA, which you can't, it's, it is a legal requirement. And I can tell you one thing, the minister, obviously minister um, uh, Brian has not really thought about this. If say the premier decided to bring which I would hope it wouldn't pass. I'd hope our MPs have more sense than this. If he decided to bring a motion to actually um, remove, right, the necessity to have an EIA and all the government was able to change this law overnight. First of all, the people would have all of your heads on a silver platter. Not a single one of you would be reelected to public office because it would demonstrate a complete disregard for the environment. Secondly, let's say that you did it. You know the legal challenges that would be coming your way? You wouldn't get this road built in the next 10 years, much less the next five months. Because there will be groups, just like we had the, the um, CPR, what was it called? The um, port referendum group. Just like we had them challenging the government on the port, calling for a referendum you would have the exact same thing happening with this road that we're trying to build. And people would tie you and the government up for years. Yeah? Legal fees costing this country and the people of this country millions of dollars. It would not make any sense. Follow the process. Yes, can the process be... Um, you know, uh, sometimes aggravating and inconvenience, all this stuff. Yes, 
but you still have to follow the process. It's like court, folks. You can't go to court and tell the court how the process is going to work or what's going to happen. You have to follow the process. This is what you do. You get 14 days then to respond. You do this, you do that. That's the process. You can't expedite it. You can't supersede it. You can't go in and say, well, I want you to change the grand court rules so I can do it another way. The process is there to ensure the good order of things. And in my opinion, it's for the right reasons and it should be encouraged. The environmental impact um, assessment should have been done a long time ago. Why wasn't it done? Somebody said, I said subsequent governments, I meant to say previous governments, you need to go back and ask the PAC government who was in there 12, 15 years. Ask them why it wasn't done. Ask them how they allowed this to get to this point where now this government politically is feeling the pressure. Somebody's talking about climate change. Yes, climate resiliency falls under this particular um, premier. He has got to care about the environment because we all should be caring about the environment. It's no longer an afterthought. It should be part and parcel of decisions that we make. Folks, when you buy a piece of property now and you are looking at building on a piece of property, gone should be the days where you just knock everything down in terms of the topography, the trees and whatever. And then you can go back and say, okay, where am I gonna plant my fruit trees, this and that. If you get a piece of property that has natural native plants and trees on it, you should be seeing how you can either build around that or reposition those plants and trees on your property. Work with mother nature. One of the most amazing things that I've ever seen, I'm trying to remember which country it was now. I wanna say, was it Cuba? or Honduras. Oh God, I can't remember now. I think it might be Cuba, but there's a hotel, it's Cuba. Um, Denny, I think we actually saw this, the trip that we took, you know. There is a hotel that has a tree and it's a massive tree. I can't remember what type of tree it is, but the tree is growing up in the middle of the lobby in the hotel. When they built this hotel, that tree was there and they refused to take the tree out. Instead, they built the hotel around the tree. And it's amazing to see how this tree is right there smack dab in the middle of the lobby. If anybody knows where this is in Cuba, I'm trying to remind me, I can't remember the exact name now, but it is, I always said that I wanted to go back and actually stay there. It is an amazing sight to see how you can incorporate mother nature into your construction, even for a commercial property. We have to care enough to try to find a way, to try to find that balance, that fine balance really, of protecting the environment and still getting this road done. There will be undoubtedly, I'm sure the EIA will come back, but the importance of the EIA is it's gonna come back and tell you, right, here's this potential concern or issue, and here's how you can mitigate it 
if the mitigation is something that can get you in the 80% percentile, where you're going to protect 80% of the environment, that may very well be the compromise, folks. That's the compromise. There have been areas in the world, again, Denny, you're going to remember this from when we went to Cuba. We did a whole tour about, we learned all about the coffee plantations and how I forget which foreign government came in and ripped out thousands and thousands. Talk about deforestation. Is that the right term? Ripped out deforestation. Yes. Ripped out all kind of plants in the name of, of, of planting coffee and all kinds of foolishness. Then um, the, 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 I think it might have been the French. I can't quite remember, but somebody came back and realized the destruction that that was causing. And they went back and replanted thousands of plants. What I'm saying to the people of the Cayman Islands, right? Let's not take that approach where we rip things out, damage the environment, and then think that, okay, well, we're just going to have to replant it. Let's think beforehand. Do we have to rip it out? Is there a way around this? You know, how, how can we mitigate this? Wouldn't it be nice to have a road, to have a highway? where there's lots of beautiful trees and nature on the side of it. I don't see anything wrong with that. Benny, welcome back. Um, there are things that can be mitigated, but let's talk about, um, let's talk about planning and administrative processes for a little bit. When it comes to analyzing whether the road where, how should we do the road? Because that's what the EIA is about. It's not about whether it should be built. That, that's the political decision that was made prior yes. to the necessity. Yeah, I mean, the road is coming. I mean, that's the thing, right? right? So the question is, can it be expedited? And the answer to that is yes. How? Simple. <clears throat> when you're carrying out, let's say you have 10 steps, just for simplicity's sake. Do you do those steps sequentially or do you do them concurrently? The difference between the two methods is more personnel uh, to carry out each of the required assessments concurrently as opposed to having, say, say, let's say you have five people doing it concurrently versus two people doing it sequentially. That's how you can expedite it. You're still complying with the law. Mm -hmm. the, the, the idea that you that this assessment is important, still being respected, you're just getting the work done faster. Mm. That's how you can expedite it. All right. Thank you, Danny. All right, bye. Um, I think that long gone are the days, right, where um, we can sit back and um, allow MPs, even in the Legislative Assembly, to get a motive over a conversation and put forward a position and we don't ask some deeper questions. How is this going to be done? Why is it being done? So the government has accepted the consider motion. Like I said, the consider motion is neither here nor there. It's not going to expedite one single thing. Right? It's okay. I mean, I get it. Politicians get in their soapbox and they want to put forward things that sound good, but not everything that sounds good is good. And not everything that sounds good from a practical perspective can actually be done. 
We will continue to engage with the NRA because really they are the drivers of this in terms of um, getting it done, right? They're the ones who are going to guarantee it's going to get done and get done in accordance with the law. They're going to be the agency that's responsible for this. And so we will continue to engage with them to ask the relevant questions of timelines. We have to keep the pressure on all respected parties to make sure, as with most projects, always running behind and costing the people more money. We, this is one project that we need them to try to um, you know, stay on top of in terms of their project timeline. There's an expectation, really, that that will be happening. So we'll keep on top of it for sure. That's all really um, I want to say about that. Like, I feel like a lot of words are probably already wasted in Parliament. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's move on to another topic that was quite topical this week. Didn't have a chance to touch on it yet. Came in our ways. Um, let me see. So Cayman Airways folks uh, introduced a policy um, just this past week where they essentially said that you've got to speak English in their workplace. Well, I mean, no shocker to me that that should be the case. But I do have some questions um, surrounding this. The first question is, uh, why is it that we are hiring and this is now square on Cayman Airways. Thanks for the memo that people need to speak English, but why is it that we're hiring people in Miami and outsourcing the operations of our Miami ticket counter to this company called, what is it called, Ultra? And pretty much all their workers would be Cuban Americans. I think there's one girl at the counter who's from Honduras. Gone are the days that we can have Caymanians working at the Miami airport. I remember my girlfriend, Mel, used to work there when she was doing her master's degree. It was a great opportunity for her to earn a little bit of a salary. I remember the times that I would visit her. She'd be getting dressed in her little Cayman Airways uniform, putting on her little, back then they used to wear the little, um, it was like a little, um, not a bow tie, but like a little scarf. You know, she had to fix that up and, and fix up her face and look good and presentable and all that kind of stuff. And she'd go work her shifts. You know, she'd arrange her school schedule where she could work so many shifts and then she could do weekends or whatever. What happened to having Caymanians work at the National Airline? Mm, have we lost the plot? Let me, let me get on my soapbox now. I'll put up my virtual mics there. Um, I'm curious, how hard can it be? Number one, we have some Caymanians that live in Miami that could be hired. They're either going to school there or they per live permanently there. There's opportunities there that I feel like the national airline, I don't know if they're just trying to save money and so that's the number one priority, but there are opportunities there that the national airline could really investigate and look into in relation to um, you know, having Caymanians work at the national airline. Not everybody is capable of Cayman kindness. And sometimes non-Caymanians are the ones who struggle with being Cayman kind because they just don't get 
what that means. Hmm. Follow me because I'm going to tell y'all the backstory to why this policy was even put in place. We have, and I've experienced it as of recently traveling um, in the past year, some very rude people at the counter. Mm -hmm. They made the incorrect assumption that all Caymanians who are coming through don't speak no Spanglish or no Spanish. And that was a mistake on their part. I uh, don't know if you guys remember me some months back. This might have even been last year. I can't remember now. I uh, was talking about how I came through and I needed some tape. And, you know, these people, they're, they're no, no concept of Cayman kindness. They don't care to help you. They're not concerned about nothing. They're just there and the, the attitude, the rudeness. And you know me, honey child. I, I wasn't bringing out that person at the counter. And I, but I was just like, y'all are just rude. And I'm just looking at them like, really? No concept of customer service. Sometimes when you're in a customer service position, you have to go out of your way for your clients, you know? I'm in a customer service position. I know that. You go out of your way for your customers to make them feel good and show how you value them. This new bunch that we have there with the exception of like two people, there's Marilyn and there's one other lady, I can't remember her name, but she's been there for donkey years. The rest of them look like they're just there for paycheck. They don't care. Then I, you know, sometimes I'll step aside because I don't even want to deal with them. The very look on their faces is not even welcoming. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for this agent over here because you're about to put me in a bad mood just as I'm about to get put on a plane. And that's not a good feeling. Yeah. So what happened was husband and wife traveling together. Um, and you guys know how this is. That's why I, I y'all need to figure this out. I figured this out many, many years ago. Find a car rental company that drops you at the curb. So one spouse don't have to go return the car and then one person trying to check in. Y'all need to get with the times now. I've been doing this for over 10 years. There are companies that will pick you up at the curb in the car that you're going to rent and they drop you off right back at the curb. You don't have, have to unpack your car. You don't have to drop off one person, then the next person. You both go, you get out, and you go about your business, and the car people drive off with them car. Mm -hmm. So poor husband, now he comes, drop off the wife, says, okay, honey, I'm going to give you my card. You go sort out the excess baggage, whatever, and I'm going to go return the car. He forgot to give the wife his wallet. These things happen, you know, when you're traveling, right? So he forgot to give her the wallet. And she goes to the counter, starts a check-in process. You know, they're going to take your passport. They're going to take, um, what else they normally need from just your passport, I guess. And they start to check you in. They're going to weigh your baggage, see how many baggage you have. And you know now with Cayman Airways, you pay for every single piece of bag, right? So they have a sliding scale. Um, I think the first two are like $25. And then the third one goes up a bit. And if it's overweight or oversized, you know, they got all this stuff. So they said, okay, miss, say a total $200, whatever. She go now to look for the husband's wallet. Oops, I don't have my husband's wallet. So the agents took it upon themselves to make assumptions about this woman that she couldn't pay for her excess baggage. 
being the rude people that they are, they start speaking in Spanish, not to her, but about her amongst themselves. So it was a um, Cuban guy and a woman, uh, a Honduran woman. Oh yeah, she better try and go find a sponsor. I wouldn't tell. She better try and go find a sponsor to pay her for her bags. I don't know what she's doing up here. Like she can't afford to, um, what's she coming to all these bags for? She can't afford it. You know, this kind of situation, this kind of attitude. Well, little did they know that the woman that they were speaking about speaks fluent Spanish. She's actually Spanish herself. Been in Cayman half her life, so I guess, and married to Caymanian, so maybe she's starting to look like a Caymanian now. And they made the incorrect assumption that this woman does not speak Spanish. You can imagine someone, and you you know it happens all the time. You know who it happens with? And y'all just don't know because nobody don't speak no Vietnamese. When you go to like these nail salons in the U.S. and these um, Asian people doing your nails, child, they be talking about you in the worst kind of way. And you don't know. They smile on your face and they're like, oh, her toe is so ugly and this and that. Oh, I hope she can give me a decent tip because these black people don't like to tip. Child, they could be saying anything in front of you. And because you have no clue what they're saying, you just smiling with them and, and going ahead with it. Some people use and they weaponize their knowledge of a foreign language. But child, I don't know who in their right mind would be trying to weaponize Spanish because so many people speak Spanish that it doesn't even make any sense. But that's what they were doing. They were talking about this poor woman right in front of her face. She never said a word to them. She never looked at them differently. She never expressed any kind of like, you know, evil eye. Like, I know you're talking about me. She didn't do any of that. She just waited. And she waited till the husband came back. And then when the husband came back, uh-huh, and she was ready. Okay, the husband come back. Now he got the wallet and everything, right? She then starts cussing them out in Spanish, and I cannot blame her one bit. She said, y'all need to make sure you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. She pulls out the husband's phone. For him, now he's clueless. He's like, what's going on here? Put, puts in front of his face her face ID. Mm -hmm. And um, turn, unlocks it, locks into online banking, and says, see, see yes, so." We not know people who don't have a couple hundred dollars to pay for our excess baggage. Don't be insulting people about foolishness like this when you do not know what it is you're talking about. Mm, well, honey child, they were shocked to see that this woman speaks Spanish. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. Yep. And she let them have it. She unloaded on them. Mm, mm, mm. Little did they know. So, of course, um, she then made a formal complaint about the situation. And I can tell you that her complaint was listened to. Now, the irony of it is Kim and Airways never got back to her, which I think uh, Kim and Airways communications could do a little bit better. So they never got back to her. They never, you know, said, thank you for your complaint. Here's what action has been taken. None of that really, but I guess the bottom line is that they have taken some action 
and they've issued a notice now to all staff. Now, some staff probably got it and didn't know what they were talking about. Because when staff reached out to me, they're like, Sandy, um, you know, came in anyway, sending out this notice. I said, yeah, I, I know the situation already. And they said, well, how the hell you know? We just got the email. And I said, well, we get a lot of information through CMR. Y'all know that already. They talked about here in this email that this is an English-speaking organization. Most of our clients and team members are primarily English-speaking as well. Fine. Fair enough. Yeah. But um, I think it was important for them to send out the reminder so that people are aware. Yes. Hmm. They talked about their contracted employees and regular employees. That's who these people are. They're contracted. And I want to specifically speak to one of them who is the primary aggressor in this matter. His name is Jordan Escalona. Okay, he's the man, he's the Cuban gentleman who was going on and main instigator in this whole situation. He's been fired, not from his company really, but he's not allowed to be one of the agents that they use at the Cayman Airways counter. So of course he jumped into the comment section when we posted it on the on social media and Facebook. And he says, oh, for me is discrimination. I speak both languages and what happened was not fair for me. So, I mean, he kind of outed himself. I'm the agent of Miami, the one that they fired for speaking in Spanish in front of that passenger. That made a complaint to the airline. And after two days, the station manager fired me with the only excuse that spoke Spanish. After three years of service, the old counter agent, they had not even a warning was given to me when the station manager, Bob Winsome Anderson, spoke to my company manager, Falcone, and gave me the notice. Well, he's not really fired, honey child, because Ultra or Falcone or whatever they're called are still going to be using him. And let me tell y'all a little tidbit that you may not be aware of, right? And they say the devil's in the details. He got fired, not really just for this incident, but there were other areas of concern with this young man. In fact, it is alleged by well-placed sources that he and others have been stealing. Y'all need to pay attention now. Been stealing, and some of the other Spanish workers there have been stealing. Mm, mm, mm. And despite him, uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan, whatever they want to call him, he's still hanging out despite him now being fired from the Cayman Airways counter. Cayman Airways, I hope you all listened this morning because he has also been still hanging out by the counter. Y'all need to ban him from the Cayman Airways counter. So you don't want him there because of his thefts and his lack of professionalism. Yeah. But yet he continues to hang out there and be a pest to other people. Hmm. That's a real story behind him. Yep. Y'all need to know the theft. Ringleader of this theft. That's why he was really let go. And this was kind of like the final straw. The girl who's working there from Honduras, she's not much better. 
So y'all better keep an eye on her too. I don't know who she is and who her mommy is and what her name is, but I'm telling y'all, you keep a good eye on her as well. Hmm. Mm -mm. That's it now, honey child. They be stealing from the poor Cuban charter flights. Kim ways. I'm informing you of something today you may not know about. And now that you're going to know after the next two minutes, I suggest you do something about it. They have been stealing from all of the Cuban charter flights that they work. Okay. Check into it. Those poor Cuban people being raped and pillaged every which way. This is the so-called company Ultra. Hiring ultra thieves. All right. Do what you can with that piece of sauce because it's 100% correct. Y'all need to start putting some tracking devices in your stuff and you'd be surprised what's going on. Um, and you know what else they do? Pay attention, Kimber Airways. Y'all need to tighten up a few things. Taking cash from the Cuban passengers, Cayman Airways no longer accepts cash at the counter. Well, do you know that the people who work for Ultra, the same Jorhan Jordan, is taking cash from the Cuban passengers and putting it in their own pocket? Right. Y'all never know that, huh? You have a no cash policy. But you know what y'all need to do? You need to put up sign, signage at the counter that says no cash. How do you say no cash in Spanish? Put that up there so that the Cubans and everybody else traveling know that they're not supposed to be giving these people um, no cash because they don't know no better. And the poor Cubans might not have access to debit cards and all this kind of stuff. So that's how they're taking advantage of them and they're putting that right into their pocket. Given Cayman Airways, a bad name. Good morning, Val. Um, says, I like what Bermuda did with their traffic issue, no rentals. All right, we're not on that topic right now. Um, Ms. Sue says, that's sad, Sandy. We all uh, know the counter staff, Caymanian. They all knew us. Uh, both my daughters worked for Cayman Airways years ago. Yeah, we got to do better. Miss mm -hmm. Darlene says Caymanian should definitely be the face of her national airlines, especially overseas. I think that honestly, there's some jurisdictions that are easier. I don't know about Jamaica because I don't really know how many Caymanians are in Jamaica, but probably a few. Um, but, you know, we should make a concerted effort. It seems to me that we've not made a concerted effort at all. So I don't know. Mm -mm. Val says, I was greeted in Spanish last year at the KX counter, but the agent quickly apologized. More recently, I was happy when I saw Marilyn walked out. I didn't feel lost anymore. Ha, ha, ha. I think the dresses those Spanish agents wear is just a little bit too tight. <laughs> well, you know, again, typical Miami fashion. Every Cuban in Miami feels like they don't have to speak English because that's how they've commandeered Miami. And I can tell you some of them are extremely rude with it. Now, don't get me wrong. We got Cuban cousins and, and friends and whatever. We're not trying to say anything about that. But when they go to Miami, they don't have to learn. Everybody speaks Spanish or so they think. 
So they don't have to learn, um, they don't have to learn any, any Spanish. Y'all saw the, the one video with the guy who was trying to order a sandwich and he's trying to order a sandwich from the girl, right? And um, he's like, oh, you know, uh, he's in a Dominican restaurant. I want to order this sandwich. Blah, blah, blah. And he starts speaking Spanish. She's like, speak English. And um, he goes on. He's like, uh, no, no, no. Yo quiero whatever sandwich. Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, speak English. He's like, how the hell are you working in a Dominican uh, restaurant? You don't speak no Spanish. And she's like, what do you want in English? So anyway, eventually he does his order in English, right? So then she turns around to the kitchen staff and she places the order in Spanish. And he's like, what? I, I try to order my, she, he was just like, no, you did not just do that. But her point was speak, just, even though it was a Dominican restaurant, which is kind of funny because you'd expect people in a Dominican restaurant to speak English. Her point was still like, listen, you come in here, you're in America, order your damn sandwich in English. <laughs> and she well knew. She well knew Spanish, honey child. That was not the problem. She just wanted him to speak English to order his sandwich. And he was well pissed off. He's like, you made me speak English. It is what it is. I'll see if I can find that video clip because it's actually really, really funny. He was like, how, how the hell are you going to ask me to speak English when you speak Spanish? Morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Um, regarding the, the topic that you're on, um, about speaking um their language. Mm -hmm. You know, um at Fosters, they have a lot of Filipinos and all different races right there. Mm -hmm. And at Fosters, they cannot use their language. Mm -hmm. They get fired for that. And if because when I was working there, mm -hmm. I remember one time a Filipino guy was talking his um, using his language, yes. And Mr. Woody here him using his language, and Mr. Woody just say to him, "English, please, uh -huh. English, please." You know that you're not supposed to use that language here, so they are required to always speak speak English at all time. They cannot use their language because at the end of the day, a lot of persons they speak English, and when mm -hmm. you are going to use your language, nobody don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, they are required I, to I always can, use their language. Yes, and I can understand the policy, you know. I completely understand it because I think, again, you know, people can feel a way. It happened um, to me at a, a, a salon where this guy walks in and he was asking about availability and the Filipino workers in the salon um, started speaking um, in Tagalog. And, and he said, excuse me, I'd like you to speak in English. <laughs> and I think it was an yeah, English man true. too. He's like either Canadian or English, I don't know. But, but yeah, I mean, because... People don't know what you're saying. And some people might be like, listen, I, I need to hear the conversation. Exactly. Because um, I don't know what they're saying. They could be saying something rude about you. So at the end of the day, when they're speaking English, you know exactly what they're saying. And then you can know how to address the situation. But if they're talking in their mm -hmm. language, a lot of persons don't speak Spanish here. Mm -hmm. And if and, and Filipino language. So if they're speaking in their language, there's no way you can... Um, have anything to say regarding that. Some mm -hmm. people know a little bit of Filipino, some people know a little bit of Spanish, but the root of it, this mm -hmm. is an English speaking country. Yes. I went to immigration the other day and this lady, she was at the counter and the, the lady at immigration was saying something to her and she barely even understand what the lady was saying. Mm -hmm. she, she, she could hardly understand what the lady was saying. She, she, every minute she have to be asking, um, repeat for me, ma'am. And wow. she's, she's a Spanish lady and she can barely even speak English. Mm -mm. Yeah, that is really, really sad. Hmm. 
So I I I totally agree with you with um using um mm-hmm. using their language so other person um using the, the English language yes. so other persons can totally understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, no, oh, in, right. in the work environment. Thank you so much. But no, I think in the work environment, it's not unexpected. Um, I had someone about a week ago message asking the same question about, oh, does this go against their human rights? Because, you know, they're watching people um, being told at, at work that they must speak English. And I'm like, but this is an English-speaking country. You know, um, your co-workers, um, your co-workers, sorry, the employers are trying to encourage, um, you know, people to get along and whatever. And one of the things that can very, very quickly um, drive sort of a wedge between people is if you have people who are separated by language, like they're over here in their corner speaking their language and nobody don't know what they're speaking or what they're saying. So I totally get it. I completely understand uh, why that policy would be in place. And so, you know, it is what it is. Now let's see who's going to enforce it because I don't know how often the people at Cayman Airways um, you know, the people who should be in the know, such as the board and so on, I don't actually know how often they um, actually travel. And of course, the board chair and people like that, the counter staff are going to know who they are. So they would get a very different level of treatment. So if you go up to Cayman Airways counter now, folks, and you hear them speak in any language but English, go and tell them, tell Cayman Airways (laughs) management that they're still there speaking Spanish. All right. Um, Val laughs about the Vietnamese doing nails. I know they're always be talking about us, but I have uh, pretty toes. Um, Can I tell you something about that, Val? There's a guy, I was watching some of his videos because they're actually very, very interesting. But there is a guy who does, um, he does these YouTube videos where he, um, I think he's actually an African-American guy who speaks Vietnamese very, very fluently. Uh, Hold on, let me see if I can. Viet, Vietnamese. (laughs) Remember how to spell Vietnamese. Um, So he goes around um, and he speaks it. And so what he does is he he books these appointments, um, like at hotel, not hotels, but at salons, whatever. And he shows up. And he listens to them and all of a sudden he just breaks out speaking, um, is it Vietnamese or Chinese? Maybe Chinese. I think it's actually Chinese. Whatever, one of the Asian languages. My apologies to my Asian friends. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're always like, oh my God, you speak Chinese, Mandarin. And you know, there's different dialects and whatever. And they, he, they'd be so shocked, child. Um, hold on. Is this him? He has a whole YouTube channel. And what he does is he goes around to different places like in New York. And this is, you know, he'll walk into place and they're like, oh my God, a black man that can speak Chinese. Like seriously, their response is unbelievable. Like they are always so shocked. And, and the thing about it is, um, I'm going to see if I can find him. The thing about it is he's actually very, I think this is him, Feltomi, I believe this is him. And uh, they are just very, very surprised. Hold on, let me see if I can find one of his videos. They're just really, really surprised 
And they're always like, how did you learn Chinese? I guess there's no black Chinese people in the world. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Um, but yeah, they're always like, how, how do you know? How do you speak? Oh my God. And sometimes they switch to English and then he continues to speak um, Mandarin to them. And then when they ask him like, oh my God, how did you learn? Um, you know, he's like, oh, I, I used to work in a Chinese restaurant and I really picked up the language. And they're like, are you sure? Because your, your Chinese is like off the chain good. I'll see if I can find some of his videos. But yeah, this is what he does. He walks around um, in New York uh, looking to go into salons and different places. And sometimes he'll sit there and listen for a minute um, beforehand. Um, here's one. Chinese people gossip about my tattoo, but I know Chinese. So, oh yeah, here, I'm going to show you guys this one. Okay, this one's actually kind of interesting. I'm going to show you a bit of this one. Uh, this is his name. His name is Frankie. Um, this video has... 9.1 million views. He's he's very, very, he's got like quite a following now. Um, but let me actually show this to you. I'm just going to show you a clip of it because again, you'd be surprised the things that people will say not knowing that you speak it in language mm -hmm. And they think you have no clue um, what is actually being said. Well, he always um, surprises them. So hold on. Let me pull this one up for y'all to get a little taste of this. And you'll see exactly what I mean. So, you can tell me what you're doing. I'm going to show you. 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 I'm going to we're gonna be catching some reactions today, all right? Uh, Jasmine has to go get her nails done, and um, <laughs> I have to get some food because I'm hungry. So what we're gonna do is that I have the chest rig and everything, guys. You know it's about to be lit. They're not even gonna see a thing happen. They're not even expect it coming to them. But I'm gonna try to catch some good reactions, speak to the people in Mandarin, and you know what I'm saying I, I did a little extra today. I, I just a little bit urban. I tried to just got my Yeezys on. You know I got my tour jeans on to get that real good reaction. So. You guys stay tuned to the channel. Also, if you guys want to see more so like vlog type footage, basically like the behind the scenes of what um, I'm actually doing um, with these reaction videos, then make sure you go follow uh, Jasmine's channel, which she's currently recording now. You're going to be able to see the behind the scenes and stuff that we do, basically family stuff with Jeremy, fitness, things like that. So stay tuned. Let's see what happens. Yo, what's going on, guys? Things rain. I got to get up here. So what's going on guys so i'm about to go into the kung fu tea place and see if i can get a good reaction with them ordering chinese and um, they're not even gonna expect that it's you know i can speak chinese obviously so that's the goal so let's see what happens uh -huh. you kung fu tea? very very interesting right here kung fu goes like in chinatown kung fu tea right here there we go guys it's raining guys so bear with me i'm in the rain trying to get these reactions for y'all round one fight hello oh my god it's so cold outside yeah it's just a hot drink a hot drink right yeah there was a hot drink okay hot drink sounds good uh you can see the label says hot 
Okay. We can fast forward to the salon one. Oh. The salon one. <laughs> it's the hot. I, and I think I can't even see it. Jazzy, is this where it says hot? Yeah, this guy is actually pretty nice. I mean, he helps them out, like shows them which one is a hot drink. Let's, let's fast forward. See, this is where they're asking him, like, what? You speak Chinese? He speaks Cantonese, Mandarin. Bruh. <laughs> What's up, guys? All right, let's go to the. Oh, this is a restaurant. You're all with this Chinese woman. On the Facebook. Mandarin, she's like, what? Where am I? The chicken? The number one chicken? Hold on. Round two. Hi. See for two? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where am I? The chicken? The number one chicken? I think it's wonderful when people uh, speak multiple languages. We don't do no, right? Just like okay. manicures? But yeah. This one is the salon one because they're in the salon. Long time? Yeah. Two years. Two years? Uh huh. Like he says, pay attention to her body language. She's like so standoffish and do stuff. Do men also get their stand nails done? Manicure? Manicure? Oh, okay. What do you do? But he breaks the barrier with her when he starts speaking Mandarin. I don't know. It's my first. I don't know what they normally do. Clean your nails. Clean your nails. Right? This is the first time I do it. I always wanted to try to. Good. It's my first time, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this is my first time getting my nails done. She actually said something to her colleague, but he couldn't make out. He couldn't hear what she was saying. Probably not anything nice. You wanna make your nails shorter? Uh, just make it. Just help me out. I don't. I don't know. So, it's. It's. Isn't it already short? It's not already short. I mean, they're not even like. Yeah. Really short, but something's real longer. You wanna make them even? Uh, yeah. You can make it even. Uh, Now watch what he watch how he surprises her. <laughs> oh. So, you didn't tell me something. Oh, you're going to show Joe. Oh, you speak Chinese. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Why? Oh, we were talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about you. <laughs> yes, you were. And said, well, I didn't hear you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and they claimed that we didn't speak anything back. Right? <laughs> How is your Chinese? Oh, good. Have you been to China? Wow. Because I taught myself. Because I taught myself. Because I taught myself. Because I taught myself. Because I taught 
Yeah, they're always shocked. But you speak it so well, and you speak several different. You heard what she said? You would never know by looking at you. You would never know by looking at you. He said, "Really?" He says, "I think I look pretty Chinese to me." <laughs> and then he talks about this uh, Guangzhou or whatever that he's from. Wow. Kind of a joke. Uh, says you're very swift. I better not talk. Listen to what she said. Um, you're very swift. So I better not talk about you again. Anyway, um, it's interesting to watch these, but again, uh, you're in a English-speaking country. Just speak English. It's it's simple. You know, obviously, you've got your friends that are from wherever you're from in the world. When you're with them in your own private time, you can speak whatever language you want. Um, yeah, that's New York, child. New York is obviously very diverse, and there's a whole Chinatown area. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know where, but anyway, some areas, they're not going to speak, like Miami, they don't want to speak no English. All right, my dear. Um, John, so good to see you. Select passengers instead of secret shoppers. Uh, yeah, they could definitely do that. Ms. Brenda says it shouldn't be encouraged. It should be the law. Big up to Mr. Woody Foster, says Ms. Donna. Um, yeah, I think it's really just, um, you know, a matter of respecting your customers as well. I know it's like a Chinese restaurant or it's a Chinese-owned salon or whatever, but your customers walk in, they're English-speaking. Um, you know, the country is English-speaking. You should speak English. And if your customer, let me make it very, very clear what the position is. If your customer initiates a conversation in a different language, so say your customer speaks a little English, but you know maybe Spanish is their primary language, they might ask you, do you speak Spanish? Uh, I think in those circumstances where it's at the customer's request, that's a whole different situation. Then you can certainly engage in the, um, the customer. Someone says, is Filipino a race? They're Asians. I think the race is Asian and Filipino is the country. Um, uh, okay. All right. So one final video of the day in memory of, um, I saw people messaging me about yesterday's, um, video. If you don't know, you don't know if you know, you know, but, um, this, this reminded me of what Aunt Lottie always used to say. She said, um, hold on now. Let me, let me get the exact quote about trouble. Um, hold on, hold on. I'm going to tell y'all. How the quote goes about trouble. Um, it's like, don't trouble trouble if trouble not troubling you. Mm -hmm. Yes, honey, chill. Um, some of y'all never got the memo. Don't trouble trouble if trouble not troubling you. So, yep, never trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. That is the truth. We don't start no fights. Aunt Lotta told us don't start the fight, but you might have to finish it. Other people until I am bothered, and then I take it too far. But I'm a firm believer in you should have just left me alone in the first place. Let's let's make sure y'all hear it one more time. I don't bother people until I am bothered, and then I take it too far. But I'm a firm believer in you should have just left me alone in the first place. Sipping on that tea, honey chow. Y'all have a fantastic and safe weekend, folks. Please take your time out on the roadways. Don't drink and drive. We need to stay alive. Y'all have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM.
Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels. And visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 